All right, inappropriate Earl back. You know, it's been a busy uh, couple weeks. You know, like I said, I do these episodes when people can come to me, and lately the people are coming. Last week's episode, which is actually this week's episode, the great Patrick Kennison from Lita Ford's burning up the charts, and Ari Manis, uh, the number one episode of all time even beat the Rowdy Roddy Piper episode. And a lot of people are asking me, did you uh, buy a bot? Did you spam followers? No. Uh, Ari Manis has like a huge fan base on SoundCloud. So they're all legit. So I didn't pull no bullshit. It's the real deal, Ari Manis. And today we've got another real deal. Hopefully he'll be... The, I'm going to whoop Ari Manis' numbers. I'm going to fuck. Thanks for listening to my fan base all the way from Germany. What's up, guys? Well, I told Ari. I said, listen, dude, I don't know if you spammed or bought followers. How many numbers? Are we on? Yeah, yeah, we're on. Let's uh, get right uh, into folks, it. Folks, let's. I take this as a challenge that the, Ari Manis is the number one listened to episode. And now I feel like it's my personal responsibility to beat that. So, so anyone listening that came here be on, on my recommendation, then thanks so much. Let's whoop Ari Manis's ass. And don't go listening to Ari Manis's after this either because you're going to give him the same amount and I got to beat him. The great David Deary in the house. Thank you so much, Earl. Thanks for having me. And you know what? I don't know what he's talking about. His, his podcast is easy to get to, has a parking spot. What else could you ask for? There's a dog here, friendly dog, super friendly dog. Bit some UFC guys, but I'm very skinny, so not a threat. Well, I do my best and, uh, you know, I try and get interesting people on like we were just talking about, uh, most celebrities say no to me and, uh, God, who, who I'll make some calls for you, Earl. I got some celebrity call. I got some celebrities. I, you know, Bobby Flay, celebrity chef. I would have him on. I don't know him, but, okay. but I like him. Well, I mean, I, I have some celebrities. I'll see what I can do. Well, I've asked Gene Simmons. He hasn't gotten back to me. Uh, I've asked Paul Stanley. Uh, he hasn't gotten back to me. Uh, some I had. I'll tweet to Diplo. I'll see what he says. I've met him a few times. I don't even know who that is. I would have them on. Uh, you know, I tweeted celebrities. Hey, will you come on my podcast? Some say yes. Uh, Patrick Kinnison. He doesn't know me. But I said, hey, I saw you in concert. Uh, the Saban Theater with Lita Ford. Uh, I know you're busy touring. Would you come on? He you got back to me. You should have went up to me and said, I went to a party last, last Saturday night. Didn't get crazy. <laughs> got into a fight. Uh-huh. Ain't no big thing. Earl. It ain't no big thing. But I know what I want. Keyboards. Dun, 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 dun. So uh, that's a Kiss Me Deadly by Lita Ford. 1988. Well, if they, don't, if they don't know that song, Earl, they have no right listening to your podcast. Well, you're a, you're a, you're, an e, you're a, what's that? What? I wouldn't say metalhead. What, what is that? I'm a metalhead. No, but I'm saying what is, what kind of, what, what, what genre of music is Lita Ford and Guns N' Roses and Poison? Is that like, uh, glam? Nah, I don't know. Cause it's not really metal. Metal's more like anthrax. Um, well, Lita Ford was oh, more yeah. glam. Glam, right? And you're a glam rocker. And your fans are glam rockers too, right? I would say for the most part. Yeah. What's up, glam rockers? And I think that... I grew up a hip-hop head myself, but, you know, I, I can appreciate good music. Well, like, I would say Guns N' Roses was like a merging of almost glam, hard rock, and grunge. Yeah, they kind of, like, towed the line of... It was, it was, they took that... They were there 
in that glam area, but they kind of rocked it out a little harder. Well, they were like... Was Axel into drugs? Did he do like heavy drugs? I don't think so. Axel was... But if you look at like... They kind of had like a, a, a little bit of a heavier drug vibe than like... I mean, all those bands probably did coke, but they probably they, they seem to have like maybe a little little heroin vibe. I'm not sure. Maybe not. But if you look at... Um, oh, yeah, they had that song, Mr. Brownstone. Someone's doing heroin in, in Guns N' Roses. That's I think awesome. they all were, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, they had that. Because I think the heroin gives you a little bit of a... You can't be like a... You can't have that like high hair, like makeup wearing, like super glam and be like heroined out. Not in the 80s. I don't know. What do I know? Well, they were a weird... Uh, you know, before they were, uh, you know, Welcome to the Jungle and Appetite came out, they uh, they were kind of like almost Poison-esque in terms of their appearance. Right. And then... Then someone said to them, look, do this heroin. And then they edged it up a little rocky, and then, and then look what happened, man. See, there you go. There's your lesson for the day. You know, a little heroin will, will get you right where you need to be, you know what I mean? It'll take you from that, like, too poisony vibe... Right into the full-on Guns N' Roses vibe that there's nothing else that, you know, that's the best that you can be, really. Appetite well, for destruction, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. It might be the greatest um, debut album ever, maybe. Wow, that's big. Well, it's a Boston's debut album. Very, uh, it's not, obviously not it's classic rock. Uh, uh, the Cars. but Underground had a very good debut album. Oh, absolutely. That was Gr a great one. Great Lou Reed. Uh, rest in peace. Of course, my favorite Lou Reed song is I Love You, Suzanne, which is he sold out for that one. Well, you know, he, he liked to switch it up after a while. But I mean, but that yeah, was again, again, again. Let me just say, you know, heroin. Oh, absolutely. So, but I think know. Lou Reed in 1984, you know, he saw like Bon Jovi getting popular and Kiss was, you know, doing like Lick It Up. Right, right, right. And even Lou Reed was like, I got to sell out and write a pop. Still good stuff, though, I think. Even uh, his worst stuff is still good stuff. Oh, absolutely. Like Reed, if, like, never did me wrong. Well, if you listen to the song I Love You, Suzanne, which is a total Bon Jovi-esque... Right. Pop ballad. It's a great, like, musicianship-wise. The bass line's great. The drumming's great. It's just not Lou Reed. Yeah. You know, it's Lou Reed trying to be, you know, Bon Jovi. Right. But, you know, so hardcore Lou Reed fans, I think, was like, this is horrible. I'm starting to think that maybe I need to do some heroin and take my comedy career in just a edgier level, you know? Well, who knows what... Uh, I could smoke it. I don't have to, like, shoot it up. You know, you see what is happening with comedy now. Uh, I don't think... Uh, I don't know what the networks look for. I don't yeah, but I mean, I'm, I'm not, like, a network guy. I'm a DIY guy, but, you know, like... I follow more of the, I mean, I don't want to say it like this. I, I would follow more like the Doug, I like the Doug Stanhope model, who, who who obviously has been on lots of television and has like, you know, won comedy awards and, you know, but I like the way he kind of does it. I like that kind of rent your own space, kind of do your own show vibe. I like that vibe. I do like how he has uh, kind of does his own thing. Stuck his middle finger to the the machine of yeah. the networks, and it's like I'll do my own shows. I won't play comedy clubs. I'll play a a nightclub or a bar. Yeah, uh, you he's know, he's not the only one doing that. There's lots of guys that do that. Lots of people that do that. But uh, to me, he's really perfected but that. He's amazing at it. Uh, yeah, he's he's killing it. He's definitely like uh, doing it 
in a way that where he can like, yeah, like I love that he like, yeah, he just, I, I don't know him. I, ne- I never really uh, hung out with him, just been around general vicinity with him, but like uh, obviously a fan of his. And I just, I love that he, uh, he seems to not give a fuck about anyone else, you know, clubs, doesn't really play clubs. And it's like almost like his his attitude is like, ah, why should I do your fucking club, man? I can just if I want to do a show, I could rent your fucking club, you know? Right. I could fucking rent your club, or I could just do a show on my own in a laundromat or wherever I want, you know? Yeah, he's and, a comics comic. He's definitely a comics comic. Yeah. You know, uh, but then there's a guy like Rogan who's also a comics yeah. comic, and he plays the biggest theaters and the right. Or there's know. Dave Attell who's also a comics comic, and he just plays comedy clubs and. uh you know, and then there's me. I'm a comics comic, you know, who just uh, pretty much just lurks around, you know. I'm a shit. comics comic. You're a comics comic, Earl. Of course you are. You know, I'm a friend of the community. You're a nice guy, man. You're one of the first guys who was, uh, you know, you just you pay attention to the, to the newer people and introduce yourself. You're a nice guy. You're not, you're not, you're not like turn your, turn your back to people. Like some people I know. I won't mention any names. Well, I try not to mention names on this podcast. Okay, no mentioning names because I would, I will mention names. Who? Name one then. No, I can't. I don't okay. have anybody. Well, I mean, it just takes so much more energy to uh, be a dick and, and to. Uh, Most people at the comedy store are nice to me, but I mean, you know, it's it's just. Uh, it's, that's fine, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, there's so many people out there. It's hard to be. It's I, I don't even expect people to be nice to me. I don't expect Chris D'Elia to say hello to me. You know what I mean? He does, by the way, but I don't expect him to. Because it's like, dude, think of the people that harass that guy. He's way more, he's on TV way more than we are. He's way hotter than we are. He's, he's you know, he's funnier than we are. His well, dog is cooler than our dogs. I don't know about that. <laughs> Lois is pretty cool. I mean, I might agree with you on the other His thing. His dick is huge, but I don't know. Well, so is mine. Earl, we got a, like, we got a competitor here. All right, anyway, I, I, we're losing the point here. Not, no, the point of this podcast is there is lost, no point. We've lost the listeners, Earl. Well, that's impossible. My fan base is loyal to the core. Nice. You know, they, I have a small but dedicated fan base. And, they don't uh, mind the dog uh, drinking water in the background. You think they hear that? Well, these are high-end mics, so if in the last two minutes you've heard crunching... It's not somebody eating pussy while we're here. We're not that rich. No, this is the amazing Lois, who is, uh, you know, she, I just took her for a long walk. She likes to uh, eat and drink right after a walk. Now she'll go to bed. If I was one of those famous rockers that you asked to be on your podcast, I'd say, sure, I'll do your podcast. But my my rider is simple. I just need a prostitute getting eaten out by a homeless man while we do the podcast. Well, that right can there. be arranged. Well, there you go. In this neighborhood. And I just need, I need to hear that. Well, that's Dave, not Lois. But, but you're an interesting dude Thank because you so uh, and you're an ideal guest for me because I feel like I know you, but I don't. Like... You know, you see people every night at the comedy store, the improv, wherever you're performing. Hey, what's up, dude? Good right, set. Right, right, You know, you don't really... I know nothing about you. Like, I don't even know where you're from. Well, I grew up on the East Coast. I was born in Wilmington, Delaware, and then I grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia. But really, I like to say that I was kind of born in this in this bush in Ohio because that's kind of where I shed the suburban 
guy who was probably going to grow up to work in some factory doing something that he hated, married with kids to some woman that he hated, you know? And I, uh, and I woke up to the guy that was like, man, fuck this. I'm going to California. And, uh, to follow your dream of stand up. No, I didn't get into, I got into stand up extremely late. Unfortunately. No, at the time I was really into skateboarding and music and just, uh, you know, I ate a bunch of LSD when I was a kid. So I, I think my first initial passion was just to find myself and like reprogram, you know, just to not be the fucking loser that life was training me to be. Uh, cause I was like, you know, I didn't, I didn't go to college. Uh, uh, I dropped out of high school. I had a lot of problems in high school. Like what? Yeah. Just, just too, too, like too quote unquote smart for my own good. You know, didn't feel like doing it. Didn't think it was worth anything. Uh, I, I like learned at a very young age, like how to get a C and I just got C's and D's and just like, didn't give a fuck. And I knew it was meaningless. And, uh, and then when I got to high school, you know, I just got into the booze and the cigarettes and, you know, I was also like a burnout kid as well, you know, like into skateboarding. And, uh, this is when skateboarding was like, not many people were doing it. You know what I mean? Yes. Tony Hawk was doing it in California, but I grew up on the East coast. There's only like a couple kids in my whole area who skateboarded. One other kid skated in my school and he was a little bit older and like into the Smiths and shit. And I was into like, you know, we were into like hip hop and like weird alternative rock. Like, like we were in like Dinosaur Jr. and Beastie Boys and shit like that, you know? And then when I ate LSD, I was like getting into like, you know, weird, you know, like kind of like the whole Hunter S. Thompson, uh, you know, fear and loathing kind of Ken Kesey, uh, the Grateful Dead kind of uh, San Francisco uh, type of vibe, you know? And so I was like, oh, I want to go to San Francisco. And uh, yeah, went to the, went to this thing called a Rainbow Gathering in 1992. And uh, on the way there, we, I slept in a bush in Ohio. And I feel like that's where I had the revelation of like, oh my God, there's so much, there's so much out there, you know, in life. You don't have to be this fucking go to college get a degree type of fucking there's not you know that's a that's a problem with you know, i feel like in, especially in america when you go to europe it's different you know for sure when you in america it's like there's not many options it's like are you a democrat or are you republican right. do you like mastercard or visa do you like mcdonald's or burger king it's like dude there's so much in between that you know and life's the same you're gonna go to what college are you gonna go to i'm not gonna go to college how about that i'm not gonna go to college fuck you I wish I would have, like, if I knew that, like, if I had a kid, I, I would just definitely, like, kind of understand college a little better. But it's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's like, dude, I have no idea. I didn't know, you know. Some people are lucky enough to know, you know. And, uh, you know, so I get to San Francisco. I eat more acid. I fucking camp out. I, I traveled a lot. I spent three years just traveling around without a house. Did a bunch of shit, man. Squatted a lot. But what did you do for money? I just didn't have money, man. Like I, uh, I, I, we mo we mostly like dumpster dove. We ate out of dumpsters, and we would just like you know scrap up a couple bucks here and there. Okay. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, it's a long. I think it's a long story. To be honest with you, like well, we left, have about an hour. I left with two hundred and fifty bucks. No, I mean, it's like, there's so many, it's so intricate. Like, it's like, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 18 years old. I have a skateboard and a sleeping bag. And, you know, the body's resilient. The mind is resilient. Like, 
kids are fucking resilient. You know what I mean? I was just like, man, I don't feel like working right now. You know, I just feel like skateboarding. So I had my sleeping bag. You can obviously like sleep outside with a sleeping bag pretty much anywhere. So I had $250 and we ended up in, I remember me and my friend, Doug, we ended up in uh, Denver, Colorado, 1992. And we, and we, we met uh, this guy, Jack Herrera, who wrote this book called uh, the emperor wears no clothes, which is a book about the, the uses of hemp. This is like early in the marijuana legalization battle. And he was collecting signatures in Colorado to put legalized marijuana uh, on the bill. So he asked us, hey, you want to like help out and get signatures for this? And we'll put you up in this warehouse. You can stay in this warehouse. And we were like, sure, why not? And we didn't once go out and get signatures. We just hung out with these hippies and skated all day. And I spent all my money and like, I mean, this is like, I literally was hitchhiking across with my friend from Philadelphia. This is like a couple of days after I left my house, probably like six days after I'm like, I'm going to California. I spent all my money, $250. We were eating Taco Bell and, uh, you know, bullshit. And that was the first time I met a vegan. They were in the people who owned that warehouse were vegans. This isn't, this is 1992. Like people were barely vegetarians. It wasn't like a known thing. These people were vegans. And I remember I walked in with like Taco Bell and they were like, and I was already vegetarian at the time. And they were like, oh, that's not, there's, that's disgusting. You should, you shouldn't eat cheese. And I'm a vegan. And do you want to eat this ice cream made of rice? And I was like, you're fucking insane. How do you make ice cream from rice? You know? And and then uh, I spent all the money. I met this punk kid. And uh, I remember being like, I'm really hungry one day. And we were riding the bus. And I was like, I'm really hungry. And he goes, oh, let's dumpster dive. And I was like, what's that? So he goes, you never dumpster dove. And I was like, no, I like literally left my house like five days ago. And he's like, oh, shit. Because he was like, a, you know, he was already like probably out on the road, you know, doing the road thing or whatever. He was like a punk kid. And uh, so he goes, all right, he stops the bus. He goes, there's a Domino's pizza. Let's go over there. So we go to the Domino's pizza. We go around the back. I open up the dumpster and he, he looks in first and he goes, holy shit, dude. I can't believe this. I look in the dumpster. It's a fucking brand new dumpster. It looks like you could lick the bottom of the dumpster. Like looks, behind a restaurant? Yeah, behind a restaurant. You knew there'd be food, like the leftover throwaway food. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like if you go to, at the end of the night to a pizza place, there's probably like 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 a like a Pizza Hut or a Domino's or something like that. So anyway, we go to a Domino's, and and it, I swear this is like a weird thing. Sometimes I believe in destiny or like karma or God or something spiritual, which I don't. I do. I believe in karma. But 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 sometimes I do because I looked in this dumpster. Right, this is my first dumpster diving experience. I look in the dumpster, and it's a brand new dumpster, super clean. Looks like it was painted two days ago. And in the bottom of the dumpster is a pizza, just one pizza, just sitting there. And he goes, oh, check it out. Check it out. See if there's anything in there. I go in the dumpster. It's a fucking, it's still warm. I open it up. It's a fucking whole pizza, untouched, just fucking still warm, cheese melted, like someone put it there two minutes ago. And uh, yeah, I ate that fucking pizza. And and that's like, uh, yeah, there's... There's a lot of food in dumpsters, you know, <coughs> grocery stores. I mean, there's just a lot of food thrown away in this country. It's crazy. So I did that. I, I dumpstered over a lot. And uh, a lot of the three years that I was on the road, to make a long story short. No, like, no, keep, I mean, I want, 
this is why I have this podcast. Yeah. There's no rush. There's no hurry. I mean, I'm fascinated. That this is something that I would never do. Right. Right. I think Not, it's something a lot of people wouldn't do. Yeah. I guess because that. I'm too lazy to do that grind of. Yeah. I'm not putting it down. I'm just saying uh, I'd rather stay. Well, it's just urban camping, to be honest with you. I mean, have you ever gone camping? Do you, do you Would you camp in a tent for like a week at a time? I'm a city dweller. You're a city like, guy, right. Okay, I love I get that. going to 7-Eleven. Yeah, okay. Energy drinks, yeah. shitting with toilet paper in yep. a, into a toilet. Yeah. So uh, I'm not putting it down. It's just not my thing. No, I get it. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I, I know all kinds of people. I know, I mean, I have, I have city friends too who would just never... I, I personally like to camp as well, and I like it to be as raw as possible. Like, roll a toilet paper, but shitting in a hole. I, I dig that. I mean, it's just not for me. <laughs> but I'm a like I'm I've not shit a in a hole. I, the, I've shitted a hole at like uh, I've been to these festivals. It's like Burning Man, but it's like better because it's it's free and it's not a bunch of fucking psychos. Like, there's no electricity in cars and stuff. And, uh, and there's no porta potties. You just have to dig holes. And there's so many people that sometimes there's like a line for the bathroom. So you like take a dump in a hole behind like a tarp when there's like people waiting for you, which is like, at first I would like wait till nighttime, but then eventually you just, you're like, okay, we're all humans here. Who gives a fuck, man? Someone's going to see me squatting over a hole. If they really want to watch me pinch a fucking loaf, then, uh. But it's natural to get nervous about like, because we're trained to sit behind a door and like, you know, oh, no one, if, if you know, when you take a shit in a hotel room, if you're share, sharing a hotel room on the road with somebody and you like, and you know, you have to bust a, like a loud ass, like shit, you, you, your body, you're trying to hold it back. You run the sink. Oh, absolutely. You run the sink. You know what I mean? And these are all just things that we're, that we're trained, you know, we're trained to be polite or like have etiquette and class which is fine. I mean, I get that. But when you're in the woods and you're trying to survive and it's nature, it's just like, you know, hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing it on purpose. Well, it's like when I was in Montreal for Roast Battle, Omid Singh was staying in my room. And, you know, I was nervous that week. Very nervous. Right. Oh, yeah. And you're having nervous shits. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I was like, God, I don't want to meet. And he's think feeding I'm a you fucking... Indian food because I guarantee he doesn't eat anything but Indian food. Of course, he brought it with him on the plane. He had a, he had a suitcase, but he didn't even have clothes in it. He just had like lentil beans and... Well, he, was, butter. he was right. uh, him and Doug Fager, a reason I advanced as far as I did. Omid's the best. Yeah, but you know, I was even, you think two guys, who cares? Uh, but I was so nervous about taking dumps with him and like, you know, it was a, it was a big room, but like, you know, the bathroom's like right by the, our beds. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we're getting off the beaten path here. But the point is, you know, when you're out there, when you're out there surviving on the streets, you got to do whatever it takes. Actually, like, honestly, to be honest with you, man, like... That sounded like a trailer for an 80s movie. <laughs> like a Van Damme uh, sequel. Meet suburban kid, David Deary. How far will he get on 250 bucks? Not very far. But check out all these dumpsters along the way. But, dude, you say that jokingly, and I just shot into my head. That could be a TV show. That could be a movie for sure, yeah. But, I mean, you look at Spike TV, I, I could see them. Well, someone already, like, uh, I think someone on Vice or some bullshit, like, uh, me and my friend Bobby, like, years later, we, we decided we wanted to hop freight trains. It's something I always wanted to do. So we hopped freight trains from uh, Oakland, California, trying to get to Canada to, to the skate contest in Vancouver. And we didn't make it in time because the, the trains go so much slower than you expect. So three or four days into the trip and we only made it to Eugene, Oregon, 
And so we just got out in Eugene, hung out there for a few days and then, and then freight trained it back. But, uh, I saw, you know, years and years later, I saw that like someone on like vice TV did a, did a, did a show like, yeah, I'm going to hop freight trains with this camera and make videos about it. And I was like, damn dude, that's nice. You must have gotten a budget. I mean, there's so many bad shows on the air that I, I don't shit on anyone's idea. Yeah, yeah. Like any show could make it. Like, oh, for sure. There's so much. There's And it's getting exponentially bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, you know? I mean, competitive eating shows get, you know, yeah. Super Bowl-like coverage on the contestants. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. To there's me. so much. I mean, there's also just like, it also comes down to what people want to watch as well. That's, that's... I think one of the scariest things, you know what I mean? Because it's like, imagine a supermarket with a, with a aisle full of snacks and nobody wants to buy the almonds because they're fucking expensive and people just go right for the bullshit chips. Well, the almonds are going to get, they're not going to get ordered anymore. So no one's going to get almonds. Everyone's just going to get chips because that's what the people want. And that to me is something that the, that, you know, some industry people do look at. I got to give credit to some people who don't give a fuck. Like, I do love Adult Swim. They just do what the fuck they want to so do. So do I. So, uh, shout out to them. And, the jellies. And, yeah. There you go. Yeah, you know it. We'll be back. Hell yeah. I hope. Oh, yeah. I hope so, too. But, I, hey, if not, then uh, the next the next person's going to get a little budget to do what they want to do. You know, that's awesome. Well, I That mean, was a funny show. I did like that. I mean, it's... Uh, you know he's such a creative kid. He's yeah, such a he's, kid. He's a he's a guy though. He's uh, a man. He's a man. But it it's he's got so many things going on. You know that you know the cartoon is literally probably f fifth or sixth in the yeah, lineup yeah. for him. Worse, obviously a great musician. He does he makes all his own music videos and he does yeah. produce other people's music. And yeah, he's a busy cat. He's a good and he skateboards, dude. So there you go. Another, I mean, yeah, no, Tyler is... Another, uh, uh, Tyler the Creator, another great mind in the skateboarding community, so that's that's dope. I mean, I grew up with Christian Hassoy and... Amazing. By the way, he's got two kids that rip fucking so hard right now. It's nuts. His little kids are like little baby Hassoy's just blasting airs. It's nuts. Well, I mean, I grew up... I don't skateboard, but my brothers did, and they skateboarded with him. Oh, wow, cool. They would... Uh, you know, we lived in Bel Air, so there was a lot of pools, and yeah, they would literally drive. I forget what movie it was, but you know, it was like that movie where they would just drive around Bel Air with one guy standing in a convertible looking for uh, empty pools. Yeah, and then they would just skate all day. That's and, awesome. You know, the Dogtown Boys. Yeah, and, Dogtown and Z Boys. You know, the eighties were. Uh, would you say the eighties were like the uh, the golden era of skateboarding, or is that the seventies? Man, to be honest with you, there was there was a few different golden eras of skateboarding. There was definitely the I think the eighties was the original golden era with Tony Hawk and the uh, and and those guys, the the Powell and Peralta uh, Animal Chin kind of movement. But in the nineties is when it really kicked off with uh, World Industries and just skateboarding just became a massive you know it just took it to the next level of like street skating you know did it's kind of what we have nowadays but like did something like the x games help or hurt I, I don't think it helped or hurt but it's not like it's i think it just broadened skateboarding you know because i don't really even like when i think skateboarding i don't think of x games you know that's just like some 
it's almost like it's just competitive, like baloney. Like the real shit is like street skateboarding and, uh, you know, people making videos and, and everything and all the creativity that comes out of like the culture of skateboarding, you know, all the, all the artwork, you know, a lot of, a lot of skaters and a lot of, uh, former skaters and, you know, everyone keeps skating like me, I'm 45. I still skate, but I would definitely not consider myself like a skater as much as just, you know, a part of skateboarding and like say the photos that I take of skateboarders or like, you know, other kind of things that you do in within skateboarding, you know, like, you know, for instance, Salman Aga, the guy, the, the pizza shop that I work at, uh, where is this? We'll give this you a little plug. Is, it's downtown. It's called Pizza Nista. It's good pizza. I mean, the, he doesn't need a plug. He's crushing. It's like, it's super busy. Everyone, Everyone needs a plug. Every man. day. Pizza Nista. Long Beach has one too. That one needs a plug. Hit that one up. Long right. Beach. Well, for you Long I got a few Long Beach listeners. We're uh, we're actually going to do, me and um and Wee Man and Rick Kosick are going to do like a guest chef night on, uh, I got to look that up, man. Shit. I should look at it. We'll, we'll put it up. We'll link it to the to the show notes of, on the episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's kind of cool. I think that's March 7th, I want to say. Uh, so anyway, that that's kind of nice. So we're just going to do, Wee Man and Rick Kosick are going to like come in and be guest chefs. I'm going to teach them how to make pizza. And uh, they're going to host a night. And Wee Man's going to make little Wee Man pizzas, little personal pizzas. And Rick's going to make big pizzas. And we're going to do that. Now, who is Rick? I know that Rick's, name. but Rick's uh was also on Jackass. He was the the cameraman on Jackass. Okay. The big guy who like threw up a lot. But he's also he was he was also a photographer uh for Big Brother magazine, which is a big skateboarding magazine, which is where Jackass was originally kind of conceived. Okay. I mean, I didn't uh this is probably sacrilegious to you, but I Jackass was just too graphic for me. Oh, you weren't into it. I get, I get it, but I just, I don't want to see some guy drinking bull semen or, <laughs> Yeah, know. I mean, it, it was, I was a little bit, I was, there was a time in my life, that was in the time of my life where I was, when I was living on the streets, I was, uh, I, I saw what was happening, but I, and I was skateboarding all the time and, but, but it wasn't this information age that we have now where, where everyone sees everything all the time. So uh, there was years where like, I didn't see a single movie or I didn't see any, anything i would look at magazines and skate shops but I, I i never really watched jackass back in the day so i like it now but um i mean i grew up more with surfing yeah uh, yeah i never surfed because i was on the east coast i didn't either i just it's weird i just like i saw this movie big wednesday that is like the uh, star wars of surf movies oh really it's just like it's the one i thought uh, an endless summer was the surf movie and i've seen that I, that's a you know i think big wednesday it, it, the great story behind big wednesday was it was john Milius made it okay and uh if you know that name he graduated usc film school with george lucas and spielberg Ah, okay and they both said he was more talented of course so for their first uh like big break movies they said we're going to give each other points so you you get points on my movie, you get points on his movie. So Milius really lucked out because uh, Spielberg's movie was Close Encounters. Oh wow, yeah. Lucas's movie was Star Wars. Holy shit, that was Lucas's first movie, Star Wars. Uh, well, no, he did American Graffiti, but I think it was oh, okay. like they did the deal in like seventy six, seventy seven. Right. Said, hey, we're all graduates of USC. And then they got points on Big Wednesday, which was a complete bomb. That's awesome. Um, but it's a great movie. It's yeah. Like Jan Michael Vincent. They're like, probably proud of that. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, 
I don't know why it didn't do well. I mean, the, Gary Busey, who was at that time a great actor, uh, William Cott. I got to check it out. I'm going to, there's something I can watch. Maybe it's uh, on Amazon. It's really good. And, you know, the writing is, you know, it's John Milius who, like, helped write Apocalypse Now. Yeah. And, like, uh, it's a great documentary on him, I think, on Netflix, where, you know, he had a stroke. Mm hmm couple of years ago so he can't really talk that well and it's just like here's one of the greatest writers of all time and he can't really express himself anymore you my know, grandfather had a stroke oh it's a, brutal more than one actually i think i'm gonna do a bit about it because uh if i i think i was telling the story to somebody and i was it's it is it is tragically funny because i couldn't as a little kid i couldn't understand my grandfather right because he'd be like <laughs> And it was scary. Like, I was scared of him. You know what I mean? Yeah. I and, and the funny part was, like, my grandmother could understand every single word that he'd say. So he'd be like, <laughs> and then I'd be like, what? And he'd get madder and madder. And then I'd hear from the kitchen. I'd hear my grandmother be like, he wants a beer. Bring him a beer. <laughs> I mean, it's brutal when you have a stroke. Like, to oh, yeah. speech and you're... Uh... That's how my grandfather talked. It was like that bad. I think he had more than one. I think he had a couple. Oh, I mean, it gets worse with each stroke. Your motor skills. He was a savage, though, man. He like drove a tank in World War II. He he definitely like murdered people for sure. Oh yeah, for, for I mean, our freedom. So, show me some respect because my grandfather was a Nazi killer. Let's. Well, just, as a Jew, I'm glad he was. Yeah, uh, me too. Well, what got you into comedy? Oh, okay. This is way further down the line. I just want to well, fit. I'll just finish that Denver story. Please do. I, I ended up going to San Francisco. I just want to say I did go to San Francisco. Uh, we made it. We 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 got a ride with a friend uh, who we met, and he took us. We traveled in the back of a U-Haul truck with a rowboat that he was shipping. There was uh there was three of us, uh, so we didn't f all fit in the front of the U-Haul. So me and my friend Doug put a mattress in the back of the U-Haul and went across the desert from Denver, Colorado to San Francisco. Probably almost died. Probably wasn't the best idea, but we made it. All right. Anyway. And that got you into comedy? Not at all. No, no, bro. I didn't get into comedy until like seven years ago. I'm 45. I got into comedy extremely late. I was living in Germany. There's like so much story in between. Well, there. let's get into that then. I mean, I, you know, like I said, I plan no questions. So you, you do this desert thing. And then what? You oh, my God. Like, yeah, then I lived three or four years of my life traveling around. And, like, I lived in a van with some girls. I lived in a van with my buddy Noah. I lived in a school bus with, like, seven people. Uh, uh, how are you surviving? Just dumpster diving? Dumpster diving. For a while, we'd play music on the streets. We had a little hustle where, with the girls I was with. They were, like, real slick. They, they, they would make these, like, uh, hair braids, these, like, hippie hair braids in people's hair, you know, and you just make a ton of like, you know, I, I get it. I mean, look, I'm not like, I don't want to say anything controversial, right? Do it. But, but help like, with the numbers. But there's like, you know, women, it's tough being a woman because it's dangerous to be a woman, right? In what sense? Like for instance, hitchhiking or traveling or something okay. like that. That's what I'm saying. It's dangerous. You can get it. And I've gotten in situations traveling with women where it's like, holy shit, this is what you have to deal with. This is really scary. But I've also experienced the opposite where it's like, God damn, it's easy to be a woman, man. Fuck. We traveled around. 
I was the only guy with these girls for a while. We traveled in a VW bus that had the pop top. You could right. sleep in it. It's five of us, four girls and me. And uh, Were you fucking any of them? No, no, no. That's probably why I was there. I wasn't at all. Right. I was pretty just like chilled out at the time. You know. I think it was a time in my life where I was just like... Um, I was really on some like rediscovering life shit. Like I had gone through a whole lifetime of being this loser uh, in school. Didn't make the basketball team. I wanted to play baseball, but I couldn't fucking hit the ball. I wasn't good at anything I wanted to do. And then suddenly I found this thing traveling, uh, living in a counterculture where people liked me, you know? I was cool suddenly. I had done things. I was I was good at I was good at certain things, you know, like I for instance I could sneak into any show and I could show people how to sneak into shows. I snuck into hundreds of shows, man. I snuck into all the Lollapaloozas. How? I, Let's get into man, that. Man, I'm a sad every possible way you could imagine, man. Like But do you just look for I, openings in the fence? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's a great way. That's a that's a super easy way. Look for an opening in the fence is a great way. I mean, festivals are really easy. Look for an opening in the fence. But but um, you know, festivals are like you know, get a get a second wristband or. Uh, but my favorite way to sneak into any kind of a concert or event or something is uh is uh, just to, to to be invisible, right? Like one time I was really high on acid and I was at this Grateful Dead concert. It was one of the first Grateful Dead concerts I was ever at, right? And now originally I went to the Grateful Dead shows to get acid, and I didn't care about the music, right? But when I once I went in to see the music because. I was so high, I didn't want to be outside, so I bought a ticket and went in, right? And I realized, oh, the music's pretty cool. The party's inside. So one time I was at a Grateful Dead concert. They're sold out. I was super high. I didn't want to be outside. It was in Maryland. It was freezing cold. It was fall tour. And uh, I was so high, and I said, I got to get in. And this guy comes up to me. I said, I, I want to get in the show. I need a ticket. And he goes, no, you don't. I go, I need a ticket. He goes, no, you don't. I go, what do you mean? He goes, be invisible. I go, what does that mean? He goes, you know what it means. I was so high. I don't know if you've ever done LSD. but I've never done anything. If someone tells you to do something and you know, then you realize you know. It's in your fucking spine somewhere and you're really high. So you've never done any drugs. I've never had a cigarette. So in pot, Well, cigarettes are fucking corny. LSD is different. <laughs> hmm. But have you meditated? I do. I that's do the, okay, so that's the closest I can come to explaining it. So meditation at the at the highest form of meditation when you're like you you feel high from meditating. Yeah. So there you go. It's something close to that. More uh synthetic, obviously. But anyway, guy said be invisible. So I go to the front where they rip your ticket and I had this piece of paper and I'm standing there like a fucking Buddhist monk, just like not making any eye contact with anyone, not just just like just standing there. And suddenly I take one small step towards the people and I look, they don't notice me. I take one small step and I'm just like breathing and moving super slow. And by the time I get to where they actually ripped the tickets, I realize that like I'm kind of in between two stalls and there's a space there. There's actually like, it's not like when you go to get your ticket ripped, there's not always this, this there's this turnstile sometimes, right. but not always. And then sometimes there wasn't this time. And also there was just a metal like a small metal bar and it was like perpendicular. It, it wasn't like, it wasn't like blocking. It was actually like going the same way just to divide the two spaces. And then the space in between was like big enough for two people to actually go through, if that makes sense. So yeah. if there's two women ripping tickets and two people going in with their tickets at the same time, a third person could just kind of technically just sneak right by them. 
and slip right by there. So I held a, a piece of paper up like it was my ticket and I waited there and no one like noticed me and because there's so many people, obviously. Right. And I waited and waited and waited. And when I saw two people getting their tickets ripped at the exact same time, I just stepped over that line really slowly and then just kind of kept walking and kept walking. And then I put the ticket down. So the one lady on the left probably thought the lady on the right ripped my ticket. The lady on the right probably thought the lady on the left ripped my ticket. Or both of them just thought, oh, well, whatever. Most of the time, if you're calm and relaxed and look like you belong, people aren't going to really say anything. That's the truth. I would agree with that. People are very unconfrontational. They just want to do their job. They don't want to look stupid and be like, hey, 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 where's your ticket? Give me your, you know, unless you're being disruptive. So anyway, I snuck in uh, to that show and it was one of the greatest moments of my life. And I just, I became addicted to sneaking into shows. So I snuck into lots of Grateful Dead shows, lots of fish shows and uh, all kinds of ways. I mean, and, and also not to like blow up people's spots because it doesn't really matter as much anymore. But uh, I found like there's actually like a little secret society of people who, especially for the Grateful Dead, who now that Jerry's dead, it doesn't matter. But there's a little secret society of people who would, uh, who would just kind of all work together to get everyone in. And, uh, you know, like the girls of the crew would go out and ask people for tickets because they're hot girls. So guys would give them extra. Oh, I have an extra ticket. You want to buy it? The girl. Would be, oh, no, I can't afford it, please. And they'd come back and be like, I got five tickets, you know, like and then and then they'd go in the show and one person would collect everyone's ticket stubs. And then that one person would come out with like 30 ticket stubs and they'd have extra um you know, the ticket stub has, oh, you know, uh, Grateful Dead, uh, Shoreline Amphitheater, September 23rd, that that big part. And they right. ripped that small, that butt. Right. Right? So meanwhile, at some point when you're on tour, or some point when you're going to a lot of shows, you're going to catch one of these ticket boxes unattended, and you're going to steal all those stubs from that show. You're going to steal all the little extra nubs and have whatever, 300 of those. Right. So then every show you go to, you go in, everyone, one person collects 30 or 40 tickets, comes back out, you've got the nubs, you, you take a little piece of tape, put those together, <laughs> perforate it, and there you go, you have a ticket. You have 30 more tickets, and then you, then you and all your friends take those, and, and it, it's worked every single time. And uh, I've done that a lot. I snuck in... The, the greatest sneak in I ever did was a giant stadium in, uh, in New Jersey, uh, where the, where the giants and the jets play, uh, the grateful dead was playing there. It was a summer show and that, uh, giant stadium has this massive blue fence outside and, and on the other side of the fence, I mean, it's huge. It's like probably 30 feet tall. It's like a giant fence. And then you go in, you get your ticket ripped in these gates. You know, there's like just gates where they obviously they can like control it and there's like lots of security and they're pretty strict there. And uh, there's this giant fence. And then on the other side of the fence, there's this like moat, giant like area where like they might have a hot dog stand and trucks can drive through. It's big. And then there's the stadium. And in the stadium has this like round spiraling, you know, ramp that goes up the side and you can go in if you if you have a floor seat. You can go in there. That's it's a, it's just a coliseum. It's like it's like the coliseum or a stadium. It's got but it's got these giant round, right. spiraling ramps. And uh, the best sneaking I ever had was one time I was at a Grateful Dead show, and there's me and my friend were there, summertime, and there was this guy sitting on top of that blue fence, and a crowd of people watching him, like, "Ooh, what's he gonna do?" 
And uh, I just looked at my friend and we were kind of already in the zone. Like, okay, if he goes for it, we go for it. Right. There's a couple security guards on the other side. I think there were about three or four security guards. They're already on the walkie talkie trying to get more security guards. But before I know it, some dude just rushes the fence and that guy jumps and then me and my friend are on the fence and boom, we're over that fence and there's security. I just remember getting down off the fence on the other side and just being eye to eye with a security guard like 20 feet away from me and just thinking, all right, man, here come the football skills. Let's get this guy and just juking him out. And then, you know, they're lost. There's so many people that are coming over two by two, you know, but we, me and my friend were at the forefront. So it was awesome. Like we were, we were like taking the security guards on, like juking those guys out, then going, just booking it up the ramp as fast as you can. And then you get to the top of the ramp and there's like another, like kind of police guard there. And like, right. you know, you jump that and then you just run into the crowd, you know, you just run into the stadium. But at the, at the Grateful Dead concerts, there's not like any kind of like structure or, it's just pandemonium because people don't take their seats. They're in the hallways. They're all, they're like smoking weed. They're smoking weed. They're in the hallways dancing. They're just piled up on the staircase. They're they're going where they're not supposed to go. So once you get past that and you get into the actual like staircase, you're in. There's no way they can catch you. You just duck down and you're just in thousands of people, millions of people, and you're dancing to Jerry, bro. You're rocking. Not my favorite, but I'll, I'll be honest, man. If you ever go to a Grateful, if you've ever Gone to a Grateful Dead concert. You're high on acid. You love. You're gonna love that band. If you do, if you do drugs, you don't do drugs. I respect that. But. Well, I wanted to go because at one point they had the keyboard player from the Tubes, Brent Midland. You know what's crazy? Vince Hon Welnick. Oh yeah, Brent Midland was the guy who died. Vince Welnick. You know what's crazy? Hung out with his daughter, Vince Welnick's daughter. He died too. Vince Welnick died. He did a well, not great, but he did the Harry Carey suicide, where you uh, take a like a, a sword. Oh, he did. Yeah, I know. He, I knew he killed himself. Yeah, and also his daughter was was uh, uh, she was nuts. Well, I, had, I mean, I had one of the craziest nights of my life. She she got. We were here in Hollywood. Talk actually. about it. We were here in Hollywood. It was my first time in L.A. And uh, she's from she's from somewhere around here. I don't think her parents were together. She didn't really know him like that. Yeah, I don't know. And we she. She didn't, uh, I don't think she was raised by him. But anyway, we were in LA and um, I'm trying to think where she was from. But we were, I had never been to LA before. We were, we were. Well, I mean, I, the tubes were from uh, Frisco area. So I'm assuming she was, uh, but he, well, she, they might've been from Phoenix. No, but she wasn't raised by him. Oh, okay. Her parents were separated. So he was her dad, but she didn't like, she wasn't raised by him. And, the tubes um, were from uh and she was phoenix she was i think she was raised in la if i remember correctly but um i can't even remember her name to be honest with you that's it's all good that's the strange thing about no social media when you grow up you're like what was that person's let name let me look it up vince wellnick's daughter oh, he probably had more than one but anyway um we were in hollywood and we just drank a bottle of 151 rum and uh she she blacked out in a way that i'd never seen anyone black out before even to this day where it like it really looked like she was possessed by a demon and she was saying that she was going to kill herself and uh yeah it was and i was drunk and she was screaming like racial shit i mean this is uh 1994 or or somewhere around there 93 94 and you know hollywood boulevard was not the it's still not the cleanest 
Well, they're trying to. You know, but at, in 94, 93, 94, I don't know if you were here in 93 or 94, but uh, it was fucking sketchy at best. And I, I honestly thought we were going to fucking die uh, multiple times the way she was, like, screaming shit at, like, Mexican dudes and, like, gangs of pe- people. Just, it was it was uh, in the height of the gang era, you know what I mean? But we were on Hollywood Boulevard, so I guess that wasn't really an issue. It's not like we were, like, in South Central or something like that, but... It's just in the height of like, don't disrespect me time. And she was disrespecting people. And anyway, she was, it was just, she was just so drunk that she was, she was blackout drunk, but also like super cognitive. Is that the word I'm looking for? Like she was, she was there. Right. She wasn't just like, she was like, like my friend Doug passed out. He passed out. He was so drunk that he passed out. I was so drunk that I like didn't know what to do. And I was fucking couldn't really like think and she was so drunk that she like i don't know she just kept telling us she was going to kill herself she was crying and she said that when she was in high school she like sold some bad coke to some kids and uh and they died and that she was gonna kill herself because of it well that's what that's why i don't do drugs exactly bro i mean i can i can't blame you for that i'm not that into like the powdered drugs either the heavy drugs well, I mean, I have an addictive personality, so I'm glad I never got into it because, uh, you know, I'd be dead. Yeah. Um, you know, my, I mean, the way I consume energy drinks is probably going to kill me. <laughs> it's probably, probably not great. I mean, I, I mean, don't. Cigarettes are drugs. Energy drinks are drugs. Got to say that. Oh, yeah. I I think, you know, as, uh, you know, they have, uh, and they're really up in the dosages like now they have uh, rockstar has an energy drink with 240 milligrams of caffeine dude it's honestly i i'll never forget like i went to vermont and stayed at my friends and he was building a deck and he brought like red bulls home just like piled them up and was just like we'll get all f- fired up and build this deck it wasn't a one-day job and like i think the first day we drank one red bull and then the next day we drank a red bull and then two red bulls and then woke up cracked a red bull in the morning and, and that's when i knew i was like i i dude this is not a good thing man like cracking a red bull in the morning that's just not a good sign and i needed it i, I mean i, I have it. to do it in the morning well, yes that's bad dude i mean i drink coffee in the morning but i'm just saying like that is already like there are moments where i think like okay i I don't want to be this guy that, especially I don't drink these huge coffees, you know, I'm more the Euro, Euro style. I'll drink a small coffee, you know, I, I don't want to be that guy. You know, I don't want to be like, I need to drink a Red Bull in the morning. What's the first thing you? I do? Does that scare you? I'm not really. I mean, it, it's, uh, I mean, I figure if caffeine is the worst thing I put in my body, I'm all right with that. I hear that. Yeah. But it's just like Red Bull specifically is just so chemmed up. It's like a new level of caffeine. You know, caffeine's fine. I like caffeine. I mean, I don't say it's fine. It can be, it could probably be detrimental, especially if you want to just be like a hardcore athlete or something like that, but we don't. So that's fine. I mean, I'm, you know, I, as you can see by my many ball hockey trophies. Oh, you uh, play ball hockey? Which is actually, I think, the toughest form of hockey because you have to, f- you run. Do you roller skate? It's in a roller rink. But you're running. Okay, so it's not uh, it's not um on rollerblades. No, no, it's you're on you're on sneakers. So it's it's basically what the East Coast kids would call street hockey. Uh, well, it's I think in the East Coast in Canada they call it deck hockey. Okay, and because uh, we played uh, hockey on a 
basketball court with a ball, like an orange ball. Yeah, yeah. It's similar to that, but in a rink. And then you you play with like a a plastic blade. No, I mean, people. Wooden blade? I use a real stick, uh, you know, um, and like we have some in in our summer league. Is it puck or ball? It's a ball. It's a ball. But it's a frozen, like you put, oh, one guy lost a testicle. Because you, you know. Wait. Was his name Lance Armstrong? No, no, it was because no, uh, he lost a testicle. Well, I mean, you know, that's uh, t- t- to nature. But I mean, this was—you can get hurt in this league. I mean, I blew. Uh, I Do people tw- fight. Uh, there used to be fights, but now we all know each other because there's. Uh, Wouldn't stop me, Earl. I'm vicious on the court ice. Well, I got choked out by a guy smaller than you. How tall are you? I'm about. I'm about. I'm about five eleven, but I, I say six two. Well, there was a guy. It's Hollywood. It's Hollywood. About, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know, 5'8", uh, unassuming, 150, 160. Uh, unbeknownst to me, he was a sheriff. And uh, Jesus. He, he choked me out in like five seconds. Jesus. So that was the last time I fought. Did he, did he put you in jail? No, he was pretty cool, actually. He had, when I woke, when I came to, I was out for like, I don't know, 10 seconds. Oh, my God. He had my glasses in his hand. And if you know me, you know yeah. my glasses are prescription and yeah. needed. Yeah, I know. I know the feeling. I've been there. And I'm like, dude, please did don't Did he hold them over your hand, he, head he, and he say, did. say, hey, come, come and get him, little bitch? No, he so had it out in high school. the palm of his hand. And I'm like, dude, please don't break them. They're really expensive. <laughs> and he's like, calm down. <laughs> and he gave them to me. Oh, my God. That's awesome. <laughs> so, uh, but it's, uh, you know, I, I take energy drinks for that. You know, it's a high... It's yeah. an intense league. I worry about you, Earl. I worry about you waking up and cracking an energy drink. Don't do that, man. Don't be that guy. I have to. You know, I've cut back dramatically. They're uh, addictive, yeah. Well, especially keep, like late night at the comedy keep store. A well, that's where they're that's when they're that's when they're the most acceptable. Well, you know, they're making the vodka Red Bulls and they, you know, they literally line up all the half and three quarters full Red Bulls that they haven't used. Yep. So you're just like, yeah, I'll have one. And then you don't go to bed till five in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. So the comedy store has been amazing to me, but it has not helped my... I always have like a coffee. If I'm going to hang out at the comedy store, I'll just at 8 p.m. I'll have an 8 p.m. coffee from Starbucks. Small you one. have to because the comedy store, any comedy club is draining because you got to like talk to everyone. And... I don't really talk to people. I, I like to go to the comedy store and just, I honestly, like I think the coolest thing about the comedy store is that they let you watch comedy. Right. And like, you know, I remember when I was first hanging out there, uh... Adam was just the manager. He wasn't the the talent coordinator. And I remember, at, like, I, I I didn't really know Tommy, and I just I, I just knew Adam. And nobody I, did. And I would just I would I remember asking him like uh, the first time like, oh, can I sit in the in the main room? And he and he was like, yeah, dude, that's nice that you asked, but yeah, you can watch any show. And I remember just thinking like, holy fuck, this place is cool, man. Like. The main room, you know, I just sat in the back of the main room of the comedy store. No one really knew if I was a comedian or not. I mean, but then again, you're not really getting over, are you? You're just sitting there watching comedy. But you're learning if you're like. Yeah, but I'm just saying if you weren't a comedian, like, you know, any any like non-comedian could be like, I'm so addicted to comedy. I'm going to go to the comedy store and watch comedy every night. But. You're not really getting over. At that point, you probably are a comedian. You just don't know it. You know, you're just gonna watch so much that you're eventually gonna be like, "I bet I could do this." Well, I like to go there, uh, especially Friday and Saturday nights if I'm not on, and watch Brian Holtzman. I love Brian Holtzman. Oh my god, 
how that guy isn't famous. Can is, I just say, I mean, it, it it's it's because you know, and I and I don't want to, you know, I don't I'm not I'm saying this in a loving comedian way, but I saw him bomb so hard at the Laugh Factory in front of like, a, you know, a Laugh Factory crowd, which is like a normal crowd. And uh it, you know, there was like a Death Squad show I was hosting it and Holtzman was on it and it was so fucking funny. I mean, personally, I love him. He's one of my he's he's literally one of my favorite comics. I think he's fucking genius. Oh, for sure. But um, you know, regular squares do not get that guy. Well, it depends if it's late night. You know, if it's late night, you know, I think they're more open to his craziness. Late night at the, late night at the comedy store for sure. I mean, that's the comedy store, you know. But I mean, I'm just saying, like, I don't know how many improv sets you do or how many Not a lot. sets you do. But like, you, if you've done any, you you obviously know that those clubs are they're square. They're, the the crowds are like definitely more normal people, and by normal, I mean like not comedy savvy you know you got to be comedy savvy savvy to get holtzman i'm not i definitely not trying to like you know i i i don't want to at all sound anything pretentious or like i know anything about anything or and i definitely would never want to sound like i'm like ripping into holtzman but he's a um he's like a unique flavor of comedy i think personally what's like part kennison part you know almost like a Stephen Wright but that's a good that's a good like okay it's easy to see why Stephen Wright um found fame but but how did how did Sam Kinison find that much fame I mean I know I, I agree he's a great comic but also I could see him polarizing like normal types of people as well and I think he was banished in the belly room for like years like <laughs> he was he great. literally wasn't allowed to perform in the original room well, that's the main room but uh you know i think rodney gave him a break on the hbo uh same thing that happened with dice right know, were, so okay so so um that's we're all one break away oh for sure someone could see you on a death squad show or you know and and just you know they're there to see someone else they see you like this guy's got an interesting look bam same thing with me. Bam, what happens? Bam, what? Well, you get like, I don't know, maybe that new thing Netflix is doing, the 15-minute specials. Nice. Not that that's going to make your career, but, you know, it's a nice little bump. You know, you're on Netflix. Well, nothing's going to happen. I mean, there's no, there's no, uh, yeah, I am, I, I know. There's no, uh, there's no, like, it used to be you do Carson and you, you had a career, you know? You do Carson once. That's could, when it was the only show. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And just like when Rodney did the HBO thing with, with Dice, uh, there wasn't a lot going on, you know, so people could, a large amount of people could see Dice and then suddenly people want to see Dice and Dice was fucking, um, and Kinnison were both just fucking phenomenal comics for that wheel well of comedy. You know what I mean? And that, that's, I think Brian Holtzman, if he found his wheel well, if he had, there, there, if there was an outlet, he should do a podcast. I think he should film one of his late night sets. Oh, agreed, hundred uh, percent. I mean, Omid Singh and I were watching him Saturday at the store. Uh, I brought up Punky Johnson. Punky brought Brian up, and everyone was doing well. It was a hot crowd, even for like me and yeah, Punky. even late night. Yeah, yeah. You know, in the main room, you know, it's weird, uh, especially on a Friday or Saturday night. They pick one comic to leave on, and yeah. it's not. It's nothing to do with that comic. 
They could be killing. They're going to yep. leave. Yeah. Because uh, they're tired. They've been yep. there for a while. It's Saturday night. They probably want to get home and fuck. Or, or It's like know. a damn breaking because as soon as one table gets up to leave, then other people are like, it's yeah. it, okay. I've been wanting to leave for two comics. Run for it. And then everyone kind of mass exits. Yeah, I've seen that a lot. So anyway, yeah. so they left for Brian. Well, uh, after Punky and I, they, you know, probably 30% of the crowd left. And uh, Brian did an hour and Omid halfway through was like, this is better than anything I've seen on Netflix. Yeah. Because he's just killing and he's yeah. just, he's doing these. And you can't, by the way, you can't, you can't, if you, if you were going to do that, you can't, A, you can't let him know that you're filming it. That would be the best. Right. And B, you can't like add people in the crowd, maybe comics but you can't fill the crowd up uh, to make he, you know what I mean. You got to film him in his element, which is like fifty people, a hundred people in that main room, which seats four hundred, which seats four hundred, and it's got to be his the last set. He does the last set, which is like, hey, here's the last guy, and the last guy gets the privilege of going as long as he wants, not as long, not like two hours, but I think you can do up to an hour probably before the sound man gets bummed out or you could do two hours and just edit it like no but i'm just saying like on on any given night when even when there's uh no one filming it holtzman and brody when they close out the main room shows uh they get to do whatever they want right they get to but, do an yeah. hour if they want they get to but they but they can't really do two hours right um i mean they I think the sound technically guy could i mean i think technically the sound guy is paid to be there until the last comic decides they're you know, the last comic really has no uh, cutoff time. Yeah, there's no cutoff time, right. I mean, I'm sure the sound guy, uh, you know, Danny or Darren, uh, or like a half hour's good. <laughs> I love, uh, I also love, uh, uh, not comparing them at all, but Brody Stevens is also just so fucking fantastic. Oh, he's that, great. Like, I'll go, I'll go to the comedy store just to see his late night and then Holtzman's late night spots because it's like, it's an hour and it starts at 1230 or something like that or one and uh, or even later. I don't even know. But but you can just go out on a full night and then look at your watch and be like, oh, fuck, man. I can go see Brody Stevens do an hour for 45 people right now. And I have no idea what, what it's going to be. And it just fucking it entertains the shit out of me every single time, man. Holtzman and, and Brody entertain me. And I agree, man. And I think, to be honest with you, you know, we're not executives. But like if I could sit in a Netflix room right now. I'd, I would I would say to them, look at Dave Chappelle's newest special. Look at his two specials. Now tell me which one gets more clicks because I can almost guarantee you it's the second one where he's sitting in the belly room. Right. I can almost guarantee you with my fucking heart, the, cut my fucking dick off, that the second one has got way more clicks because you know what? People want that fucking honesty. They want that. They're sick of fucking makeup and theaters and a fucking blue curtain and 2000 people and fucking edited laughter. Oh, Hey guys, before the, before, uh, Tom Segura, I liked his special by the way, but I just, it was first name that came up before Tom Segura comes out. We're going to put the camera on your faces. So when he busts a fat joke, we can edit to your face and you're laughing super hard and give us your best laugh face. It's like, I, I I I think that that's great, and I and I do love like you know I always watch all the guys that I love special. I'll always watch Burrs. I'll always watch Louis. I'll always watch Tom Segura's. I'll always watch Christina P's, Rory Scovels. 
Todd Berry's. I always watch everyone's special, but you know, I just want to see these guys who have all this power and all this potential to like do whatever they want just once, just somebody do something different. And Chappelle did it. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's uh, releasing specials at a very high rate. Yeah. He did four specials this year. So that's not really saying much, I guess. But well, he's one of the few. He may be, maybe he and Burr and Natel are about the only three that could. You know, usually it's one special a year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even that's pushing it. I would yeah. love to see Atel do something weird. Like, like, um, like, remember Insomniac? Oh, of course. Like, that was one of the best fucking shows. Like, the concept of that show was just so fantastic. And I just feel like Dave Attell, with his humor and his, like, the way he interacts with people, his crowd work, um, you know, he could do something unique. Like, uh, you know, like even something like that, like, you know, Hey, I'm going to go do seven sets in seven different clubs in New York. And I'm going to get progressively more drunk throughout the night. And in between, I'm going to talk to cab drivers or people along the way or people after the sets or something, you know, just something different. Yeah. I mean, I like, I want to do my special in the OR in front of three burnout drunks. That would be fucking sick. Like last set, like type yeah, of, yeah, I mean, that would be because uh, you know it's just the story of my life. That would be great. It's, it's Twenty years in, still going on it. Fucking close to dead last. Just film it with one fucking camera. You know, what I mean? you got to give Hinchcliffe credit. You know, he did it all his own. Yeah, that was cool. That was unique. Yeah, you know, no. uh Fucking six cameras. No, that was great. Bullshit crowd and shots. It, and it wasn't cut. I was there. It was one shot. I love it. Like, yeah. I, you know, most specials, uh, all right, let's do two shows tonight. We'll splurge in the, you know, where one joke doesn't get a laugh. If it gets a laugh on the second show, and we'll put, plug that one Right, in. right, right, right. You know, right. Uh, you so know I, but I mean, everyone's got so much, like people have, you know, responsibilities, you know? I can't like... David Tell's got responsibilities, although he probably doesn't care that much, you know, about it. You know, people have responsibilities to produce stuff that's going to work out. And oh, I get it. Like Sebastian's last special, which I think it was in Chicago, if I'm not mistaken. Pack theater, very polished. It was great. Yeah, yeah. Like he's killing for. Oh, he crushes. But at the same time, I've watched all his specials and there's nothing like seeing him live. Yeah, yeah. No. So it's kind of sad at the same time how this like oversaturation of the specials is just gonna like burn people out on comedy. I think. I think it's already happened. Yeah, I think it's already happening. You yeah. know, and now uh, although it's a great thing like the Netflix fifteen, it's like you know. Which, by the way, I was trying to pitch like three years ago. I wanted Netflix to do. I couldn't get a meeting, but I was like trying to talk to certain people. Uh, the closest I came was like, anyway, who cares? What I wanted them to do was, it was called the 15 or whatever, and it was going to be, each season would be 15, 15 minute episodes. And, um, and it would be, you know, because it's Netflix, it goes in order, you know? So you right. put it out as one season, all 15 at one time. And each 15 gets to produce their own, you they get a budget to produce their own 15 minutes, you know? So if they want to do like a three minute intro and, you know, so each person gets like a little mini special. And I wanted it to be people that were even like, I mean, it's ironic because I, I, on my list of people that I had to do the 15, Sam J was on that list. I, and Jack Knight was on that list. I was like, oh, it's people 
like, but back then they were obviously not even as big as they are now, but, right. but they were still obviously as fantastic as they are now. Oh, sure. I mean, so it's interesting. Like it, it, th that's how crazy this town is. Like I literally was like saying to people, I, I was telling anybody that would listen to me like, Hey, Netflix should do like 15 minute people would like that. And it's also a chance for a comedian like, like us or like me, someone who's never been in the industry. It's a chance to like do something with stand up because if you don't get on Conan, right? Which I'm not getting on Conan. Cause guess what? I like to say fuck and my shit's about porn and, and pussy. So power to Daniel Sloss and everyone that gets on Conan and, and, and can do clean material and shit like that. And I'm not making excuses, but it's like, how about something for dirty comics? You know? Right. Someone like fucking, I mean, Big J, where does he get this? You know, someone like, I mean, Big J's been around for a long time. I'm not saying that, but someone who's like him, who's newer, you know, and that's, you're looking at like, why Why are guys like Ari Shafir like struggling until they figure out to do it on their own and then doing well, you know what I mean? Because there's no outlet, you know? Yeah, I mean, but the good news is that there's never been a better time yeah, to, to do, do it, it yourself. On your own. Yeah, yeah um you know you really you know you do what tony did i mean yeah shoot your own special hire yeah. your own crew yeah ari did that or yeah i mean i mean uh, i'm sure everyone does that now i mean rogan has probably been doing that forever stan hope does it louis did it you you can even you know now like eddie ift was talking to me like last night at the store is like the key now is to find the next netflix like you know whether it be this channel or that channel because uh, you know, now everyone's trying to get on Netflix. Yeah, everyone's trying to stream. Comedy Central. Everyone's trying to stream. I mean, CISO tried to build a platform. I think Apple is going to have a, a big platform Ooh, soon. Hulu and Amazon. Yeah, Hulu and Amazon. They're, they're dipping their toes into the stand-up world. H Hulu is? Uh, I think. Yeah, I think... Uh, where did... Uh, yeah, I think someone did something on uh, stand-up related on Hulu. Interesting. It, it's kind of an un chartered territory but i'm sure you know they're playing it i mean you know it's yeah i mean the, the thing about netflix is just people see it you know and maybe, they need maybe, content may, maybe maybe not as much anymore but there was definitely like a moment where like uh and things come and go you know as we know you know i mean shows get hot shows fall off netflix uh networks get hot networks fall off Oh, everything uh, has a shelf life, and yeah. that's why you can always think ahead. I, I don't think Netflix... I mean, the thing I see about Netflix right now is, like, when I look at Netflix now, I realize, like, they're just building their arsenal of, like, um, of shows that they produce. It's all... It used to be kind of a novelty to see a Netflix... Oh, that's a Netflix show. Oh, interesting. Right. Oh, that's cool. Now it's all Netflix shows. It's, like, so many fucking shows. Yeah, I mean, it's intimidating. Even when I log on to watch Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. The new releases, it's like, it's like 25 new releases. How do people watch all this shit? I mean, that's what I, that's part of me is like, God, how do I, why would I want to, how can I make something? Who's going to watch what I have to make? You know what I mean? Like it's, but, you know, start small, I guess. Well, that's where doing podcasts helps. If you're popular on podcasts, if you can get on Joe's or, yeah, you know, uh, you know, Marin's or, you know, Kill Tony. I mean, it happens. People are out there. There's like, like we, we live in the epicenter of entertainment. So we're probably like over, over saturated with entertainment. But there's people out there that live wherever they live and it's boring as fuck and they don't like, 
they're not like hanging out with comedians all the time. So they probably want to spend more time listening to comedians and watching comedians and absorbing comedy, I guess. I mean, everything's oversaturated. Podcasts are oversaturated. Certainly. Everyone has one. So what are the numbers that Ari reached? I'm going to have to beat this. Well, on SoundCloud, I think he got close to 16,000. 16,000? Which for me is a lot. I don't think I can beat that. Now for Rogan, he probably gets a hundred thousand. So a hundred thousand, he probably. Well, I don't know. I don't. But I mean, millions. You know, for me, he gets millions. Yeah, I I mean, yeah. Could but for me, sixteen thousand is a lot. you know, I think an average podcast on a SoundCloud gets between two and five hundred lessons. Right. Uh, for what I can, uh, sixteen thousand. So you know, did he I, talk about like hiring that uh, porn star to do the uh, to do the photo shoot? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't want to see the uh, the clam. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm not really into the graphic shit, Dave. So wasn't that graphic it was just a woman with her panties off yeah but you know i've I seen don't, worse in high def and blu-ray i don't need to see that <laughs> uh, up close and personal yeah i'm good on that uh so what got now that we've kind of covered a little bit more ground now that no one's listening what, how many hours are we at we're at an hour and 20 right now wow are you now, gonna edit it or not no i don't edit anything i've had five comics say the n-word Two of them were black, so they get a pass. The other three <laughs> were like, "Hey, you're going to edit that out, right?" I'm like, "Not really." Why would you say it if you? Well, I would. I, I would just say edit something out if people get bored or put it in two parts, maybe. But who cares if people want to listen this long? Well, I think they do. I mean, in my own research, I've found through my 201 episodes that people, I wouldn't say they tune out. Here, we'll do this, Earl. Check. This no, out. no, no, dude. If, no, I'm just. I say this. about an hour they kind of go okay when no, i'm gonna i'm gonna find out if you're listening right now hit me up on twitter uh, i'm at mf david deary and just tag me on a tweet and just be like hey i'm listening to this podcast still with at mf david deary and uh yeah it's kind of boring but i'm still listening or whatever you, you think it is well you up, know, let me know boring or not they're listening they're listening all right you know and you can't so how did i get into comedy here's how i got into comedy i was in a rock band you can see the music video on YouTube. Uh, it's called AJ Pitt. And I lived with a model. I was living in Berlin, Germany. Good for you. Thank you, man. He was a really cool guy. He was a surfer. I thought you meant a girl model. No, he was a guy. <laughs> I take that back. But he hung out with a lot of girls. Female model. Dude, I, cr- I crushed, bro. Hanging out with... A, if you've ever hung out with like a really, really hot guy. I have. Oh, my God. Yeah, you you just... My friend, uh, Miami Eric. Like his his sevens... His sixes and sevens are your elevens, and uh, the 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 energy that the reje- the rejected energy that some women feel uh, will just bounce them right uh, into your atmosphere. So anyway, I hung out with this model guy, and me and my friends who are like music producers, we created this band for him, and we called him AJ Pitt, and uh, it was it was so close to being a, a successful like pop indie rock band and i would be still traveling to this day with this band because uh the music was good we had a booking agent we were doing big tours and uh we were about to put the record out but uh the singer couldn't stop doing cocaine and uh, couldn't do his job of just barely singing the songs uh so anyway long story short i was uh with this no band. keep going dude i was with this band and uh yeah you can see the music video on youtube it's called aj pitt how we do 
how we do it or something, how we do, how we do it. We had, we dressed up like little in little tennis outfits and he would take his shirt off and wave it around. He had little tattoos and, and, uh, so we were doing, uh, interviews with this, uh, radio station in Berlin. And the guy who ran the radio station was this Swiss guy named Uli. And, uh, I became friends with him and, uh, we were doing these music, we were doing these radio interviews and me and him became friends and I would tell him these crazy stories and he'd just laugh and laugh and he had a great sense of humor and he says, man, you should be a stand-up comedian and I've heard that so many fucking times in my life, bro. And I said to him, all right, I'll do it. How do I, how do, I do it? Like, how do you become a stand-up comedian? Because I literally have heard this so many times in my life and I just never... I never heard of an open mic or I never heard of any comedy shit or any comedy clubs or anything, you know? So he goes, all right, if you have a friend that owns a bar, and I did, I worked at a bar at the time and my friend owned it. And he said, ask your friend if you can do the comedy show at his bar. So I said, okay, I can do that. And there's space and he's even closed on some nights. I'll do it when he's closed. He'll let me do it. I got the bar. And he goes, all right, well, there you go. You just... You, you, you come up with seven stories, seven of your funniest stories, and uh, there you go. That's your comedy show. Tell seven stories. And I go, all right, I'll do it. And I picked a date that was like a month ahead of that. I asked my friend. He said yes. And I decided I was going to do a stand-up comedy show. So I made a flyer. Uh, this was the early days of Facebook. This is before events even. This is, Facebook was pretty new. I made a flyer of me as a little kid with a, holding a saxophone and I, and I called the show the motherfucking David Deary show and I made a little flyer and I put it on Facebook and uh, I, I didn't know, you, you didn't see at the time who tagged you or who posted it or who shared it. You didn't see any of that. So I didn't know it, but a lot of people were just like ripping the photo and sharing it on their Facebook page and giving it to other people on their Facebook page. And the day came to set up the show and me and my friend who was visiting from New York made a few videos. Cause I was like, look, if the stand up starts to bomb, I need to, to show some videos. Right. <laughs> and another idea that I had was, so I made these videos. One of them was like a fake sex line video. Like in Europe at night, they always have these sex line videos. Call me. Seven, 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 seven. I'm horny. So I was like, hi, I'm David. I'm a comedian, but I'm also a sexy motherfucker. And I've got my own sex line. I started in clothes and then it just cut to me like buck naked with like a blur, like they blur you out. And so I made a fake sex line video and I made this fake, like remember um, Girls Gone Wild? Joe Francis. I made a video called Headbangers Gone Wild where it was like, do you like to watch guys banging their head? And I put a wig on and I like just fucking rocked out and I put like heavy metal music and it was like, buy this DVD, headbangers gone wild. This guy goes to the supermarket and headbangs. This guy's headbanging in the street. Headbangers gone wild. 999, he bangs his head to rock. He bangs his head to classical. He bangs his head to hip hop. Headbangers gone wild. Just like little like 30 second videos to fucking like, just in case right. the stand up was bombing. Which at Which, that point, of course, it was going to. Well, you know, you might get beginner's luck, but at that point, you're spoiler alert. I had beginner's luck. I did well. It was amazing. But anyway, I'll, I'll get to that. The other thing that I did, which was so fucking amazingly lucky, and it was 
it was just pure luck. This was just pure luck. This was just one of those things that just accidentally happened to be fucking hilarious. I trolled the crowd by accident. I made this video. It was a 30, 30 or 40 minute video uh, because I figured, I, I said on the flyer, show starts at 9 p.m., but what I was really going to do was I was going to start the show at 9.30 because people are always late, right. you know, and they're always like, and you can't start a comedy show till everyone's there. And I didn't want people to be bored and I didn't want things to like go off the rails before it even started. So what I did was I made this video and it was a real time video of me getting ready for the comedy show. I showered in real time. I shaved in real time. I did pushups in real time. I got dressed. I walked from my house to the bar in real time, which took 12 minutes of just me walking. And then when I get to the bar, I look in the camera and I go, ladies and gentlemen, it's the motherfucking David Deary show. And I open the door and then I put a black screen and a song. And that's when I was going to open the door of the bar in real life, walk in and start the show. Right? Right. I figured while the video was showing, everyone was going to be drinking and talking to themselves and carrying on and not paying attention, you know, like an art show or something, like an right. art gallery, like nothing, just in the background. But what happened was I set up the show. My friend who owned the bar was like, look, don't put more than 30 seats down. You're going to look stupid. And I go, no, dude, I think people are going to come. I get the feeling that some people are going to come. And he goes, all right, dude, but. You know, the place was big. He's like, don't don't put more than 40 seats. You're, you're going to look dumb. There's going to be like 10 people here. Anyway, I go home. I'm getting ready. We're, we're rendering the DVD for the videos. And this girl who's doing the door texts me. She, she texts me, hey, where are you? There's 100 people here waiting for you right now. And I text back, ha ha, nice, nice one. She goes, I'm dead fucking serious. Where are you? It's packed. They're, everyone's waiting for you. So my friend with the video runs over there, puts the video on. And now a hundred people are just watching me in real time, shave, shower, do push-ups, walk to the bar. And I didn't even get a, ch I was nervous. Of course, I was like super fucking nervous. Cause I didn't, I had, I, I didn't even write jokes. I just, it was like a podcast. I just basically wrote ideas right. that I thought were funny on this cardboard box, like the side of a cardboard box with a Sharpie. And I was going to carry that up and put it in front of the, I thought there was gonna be ten. I thought there was gonna be thirty-five people. Would have been like a sellout. Would have right. been like an amazing fucking number. And by the time the show started, there was well over a hundred people. It was like the OR or something, or the belly room. It was like the size of the belly room, bigger, bigger than the belly room. It was just just a room like this. Yeah, my living room. Yeah, just a big room, full with like benches of people and little couches and seats and. I had a screen set up and I dressed up for it. I had a little like bow tie on and a vest and um and I was super nervous and 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 I came out and I just didn't expect it and uh and I, it it did take me like literally like probably 3 or 4 or 5 minutes to like even kind of get started which also people laughed at because I was so nervous that I was like I, 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 I'm, I'm so nervous. I, I can't even like, I'm, I'm, I don't even know where to start. I'm just, who are you people? I'm nervous. Like, how did you get here? And then one guy, I didn't even know him. I was like, did you, did you like the video? And he goes, what the fuck was that? It wasn't even funny. I go, why did you watch it? You weren't supposed to watch it, man. That the fucking joke's on you. And everyone laughed, you know? And, 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 and that's what kind of like relaxed me. And, uh, and then I remember, like, uh, I remember, like, getting a laugh, like, talking uh, about, uh, 
if I was a more famous comedian, like what kind of intro I would do, you know? Right. I, I remember talking about like, the first thing I remember talking about was like my intro and I just like, I remember just like kind of freaking out like, like improving and just being like, yeah, I'd have fucking Smurfs giving me cocaine in the backstage and then I'd have Ramstein playing. You know, and, and then people were laughing, you know, like, like all this. And I'd have fucking, I would have a fucking smoke machine. I'd have like a fucking under the, I'd have a David Copperfield down there. Fucking, you know, Satan would fucking be blowing fire out of his asshole. I don't remember, but. I do remember doing pretty good and I and I told a story that I still tell this to this day that that I still love. I tell the story about how one time I took a shit uh in the street in Brooklyn uh because I was so drunk and uh that my friends gave me a key to his house and he told me he had a tricky key that you had to like wiggle it a little bit. So the joke's all about how how tricky the key is, you know? Like right. you got this tricky key, you know, uh, tricky key, tricky key. And you got a shit, you got a tricky key, you know, whatever. So I tell, I still tell that story today and it's still, it's, it's a funny story. And, uh, yeah, I actually did two, two sets that night because I was just telling my friend, okay, I'm just going to go as long as I can on these ideas. And then we're going to show the videos. I'm, I'm thinking 10 minutes, you know? Right. And then I did all that and I came back and I was like, it was pretty good. And he was like, yeah, yeah, it was pretty good, dude. Let's show the videos. And I, and I, and I was like, how long was it? And he goes, uh, 35 minutes. And I was like, holy shit. I just did 35 minutes of fucking comedy, you know? And then I showed the videos and then I, I came back and I did a, a second set. And I, and then when I first started doing comedy, that's all I did for a while was just to do those own, my own shows like that. There was no other shows cause I lived in Berlin and right. it's a pretty international city, but there was no, there's like German comedy, but there was no, at the time there was no English comedy. I mean, no English comedy, like how I was doing it. Right, you know? right. There was like a couple like cabaret people doing stuff and small things. So for a while, like every couple months I would do a show, I would make videos, I would make an intro video, I would I would dress up and I would just do a whole new like two set show with like just ideas and I didn't really know how to write a joke yet. I was just like kind of being funny and uh, man, they were packed. Uh, it was like a cult show for a while in Berlin, like first couple years the first year i did a one-year anniversary show i rented a circus tent and 210 people and every every time people paid you know like it wasn't right. like i made money like i always made money doing comedy you know i never like Shit. until i moved to la i i always made money like and then when i started to get booked on other people's shows in la no i'm saying in in europe you right. know when i when i would do other shows around europe i would get i would make money you know and uh i would get paid and i would headline shows and uh, and travel around and, and get paid and do comedy. And so for, so for, you know, five or six years or four or five or six years, I guess I've been doing comedy in August will be probably, I think it'll be my ninth year. I get confused. It's either my eighth. I think it's my ninth year right. this year. Will be my ninth year. So for the first like five, five years or six years, I was doing my own shows and, uh, which progressively got less and less like, you know, I at first they were extravagant. I would spend so much time. I would make fucking three or four. I'd make this intro video and I would make, you know, videos and, and, uh, I would dress up and I would make a, a poster and it would be like very conceptual, you know? And then eventually I was just like, I just want to do stand up. I, I learned how to write jokes and I did more shows and there was more shows happening in Berlin, smaller shows where I could work material. And I, and then, and then I was like getting more into being a comedian and like, I want to do like, 
15 minute sets and I want them to be tight and I want them to be jokes. Right. And, uh, you know, and ironically, that's kind of when I'd, less people would come. Then I would get 50 people at shows, you know, instead right. of 140 people at shows because I was doing more shows and it was less extravagant, you know. And what made you make the big move to the comedy jungles of Los Angeles? Well, I had visited a few times and, uh, you know, I did, I, I loved, I wanted to obviously like step up into a world that was like, you know, bigger than, uh, bigger, you know, obviously in Berlin, I'm the biggest dog there. So I wanted to go into a bigger pond and be a smaller fish. And I had visited LA a few times and I had, uh, I, I had lucked out in my first few times here and I had like met a few pe the right people and I had done a few of the right things. So I, I was disillusioned into thinking that when I got here, things were going to be a little bit better than they actually are. Right. And um, so I learned pretty quickly that, uh, yeah. My first gig in LA when I first visited here was uh, I was just like kind of asking around, hey, does anybody know anyone in LA in comedy? And the first response I got was from a, a, a girl I used to travel with in the school bus. And she goes, hey, my brother-in-law works at the Laugh Factory. Is that Ugh. is that good? And I go, yeah, that's that's fine, you know? And so he booked me on these Wednesday nights. Uh, it's called Dot Comedy. Okay. And, uh, and my first gig was with Dalia Santino, Adam Ray, Kyle Kinane. Oh, wow. Uh, TJ Miller. And I was hosting. And uh, yeah, I became friends with Santino right away. And, uh, the best. And, uh, you know, and, and, and Dalia was really fucking cool. And I had a, I had a good set. And, uh, and uh, so every, so then it was like, I was just visiting, but I was hanging out there every night. And then Santino was like, oh, come on, I'll, I'll take you over to the comedy store, you know, introduce you to some people, go hang out there, you know, kicking it with Santino. Uh, that was cool. And so I kind of was like under the illusion that like, you know, nothing against anybody anywhere, but my friend who, the guy who booked me at, uh, at the Laugh Factory, he quit comedy to sell diamonds you Good know, for him as they do and uh you know christina the stage manager there is now she's an agent you know working at some big agency so right. th that connection's gone the girl who ran the youtube that i was kind of cool with she's gone now there's a new girl running the social media over there so i don't know her anymore i, I literally don't know anybody the, the, there was a door guy there that was so fucking cool to me there at the Laugh Factory, he used to call me Double D, and he he would let me in. Hey, you want to hang out, man? Come on, come hang out, man. And if you're hanging out there, one time I was hanging out there, and I got to host, you know, because I was just hanging out there, and Christina was like, hey, can you host? Our host is stuck in traffic. And I was like, yeah. But now, like, I don't know the door guys. I don't know the stage manager. I've worked once, you know, and you get paid. I know. You get paid. So... My first gigs in, in LA were paid gigs. So I thought. It's rare. Like I said, well, I didn't realize that. Like I said, I thought I was going to, I thought, oh yeah, I could host two, three times a week at the Laugh Factory and uh, get some other hosting gigs here and there. And I could, you know, then I could do my own show. And, you know, if I bring 20 people out to my own show for five bucks every couple weeks, you know, I could probably live here on comedy. I could probably. <laughs> Yeah, and then you I mean, up. I wasn't as delusional as some people, but... Oh, yeah, well... I mean, some people think they're going to come out here and get their fucking name on the marquee and, and be a paid regular at the comedy store and showcase at the and get passed right away. I mean, I wasn't that stupid. I just thought that maybe I could... 
host a couple nights here and there and that's a good level of delusion make 150 yeah and that's the thing like i realized that i was i i mean i would have been right if my friend would have stayed in comedy right and uh things you know and like like i said like you know this is just um it's really like uh it's crazy like how some people like santino just is like i don't want to say famous or whatever but he's working he's working you know he's out there working so i don't even see him anymore it's sad you know yeah no he's uh like we're still buddies but like he's you know it, when you're in comedy and you're and, and uh you're a working comedian you hang out with who you're working with you know it's the same with me like if i when i was living in berlin and i was like working and like i was always hanging out with like all my com com comic friends who i'd see at the at the shows you know anyone that i do the shows with i'd be hanging out with you know because you're working you know so when you're doing a tv show you're gonna hang out with the dudes that are on your tv show and you're gonna you know oh yeah i mean that's one of the things i don't like about comedy is you lose track with the people you grew up with yeah you lose your friends you know because uh, you, you go either they or you advance to the next level whatever that is they don't and you know you just you know uh like you know it's just people uh, think that like if you're friends with somebody that they can bring you up to that level and th th they can't not really no, i they, mean they, 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 they literally can't i mean they could they could do probably things for you that you know they could probably do things for you but just like look look behind you you know look behind you you can't do shit at the comedy store for people just because you're ahead of them i mean i could i mean it's uh, well you no. don't have to say exactly what you can do because you know no, I, I mean i know what i know like what level of things that you can do and there's really only one thing i can th do yeah, is say to adam hey my friend's funny or you should look at this person but he's also getting that from literally a hundred other comics yeah so you can probably get get somebody i don't know how often you can but like i know like Andrew was like the first guy to call call me in at the comedy store and ask them to put me up, you know? I could do that pot. I mean, like, uh, like even on the jellies, you think, okay, like that's a, probably a better example because I'm in a, more of a position of not power, but like uh, importance. Yeah. Uh, I'm just basically the second lead. Uh, I could maybe call up Tyler, the creator's writing partner, Lionel, and go, hey, my friend has a really high-pitched voice. He might be good for the show. Can you do that for me? Thank you so much. Earl. I could. Thank you. But I don't know. I think I'd make a great character on a cartoon. Listen to this voice. You have an interesting voice. I have like, a great it, voice. It's high, but it's not like it's it could be like, low. It's on the lower. Like you could do both. It's like, dynamic, baby. But I can't do high. What you get with my, my voice? What, that is that high? Yeah. Is this my is this my vocal reel for the jellies? Might be. For the for the jelly, can you send this to him? This is my kind of what kind of voice is this? Is this a girl's voice? Don't you label me. It's transgender. Thank you. Well, maybe use you can, the proper pronoun. Maybe you can be the first transgendered character on the jellies. The first trans jelly. Trans jelly. Trans jelly. We just wrote a part for you. Thank you, Tyler. Hook it up. Make it happen, Tyler. I know Tyler's definitely listening to this podcast at he an might. hour and fifty-five minutes in. He might. That's the longest flight. He probably flies to Japan all the time. I mean, he's so busy. Like, I mean, he's uh, I, he's going on right before Beyonce and uh, at Coachella. So that's, that's amazing. Like, Good for him. Yeah, he's like uh, you know, I don't go to Coachella because it's not my uh, you know no, eighties no, no, metal. No. Although they did have Motorhead there when I hate festivals though. Well, I went to Rocklahoma, which was the Woodstock for eighties metal. It's good once. Have you ever heard of Wacken? What whacking? Oh, in Germany, right? Yeah. 
Like Kiss has done that. Festival. I think they have. Yeah, it's huge. Um, yeah, I mean, White Snake, Kiss, Motorhead, always, massive yeah. festival. Yeah, I saw uh, a documentary about it. I mean, I I don't know. It's just too many people for me. Uh, Rocklahoma was perfect. I don't like people. Well, it's you know, Rocklahoma was great because me and my buddy Chris, who I started comedy with, we think let's go the first year because all these bands, especially that genre. Yeah. They're going to be psyched to be in front of a crowd again. Yeah. So yeah, like Rat, Twisted Sister, uh, Y&T, you know. What's Y&T? Y&T is a great band out of Frisco. Oh, they're called Y&T? Yeah. They oh, were. Oh, Y&T. Y yeah, I remember them. Yeah. They were, uh, you know, what sucks for them, and you might see parallels with certain comics, musically, they could blow any band off the stage. Yeah. But looks-wise, they, they just weren't. You know, Holtzman. Like, We're talking Holtzman. <laughs> well, comedy's something I think where if you're wacky enough, yeah, looks aren't that important. Looks, weird, not Holtzman's not weird looking, but like you, no, you he's could, unique looking. He's not a he's not a great looking guy, but he's not like a, you know no. He's an Al Bundy looking motherfucker, right? That can almost help you, yeah. But in the '80s metal world, especially. You know, Y&T was like hitting their stride when Motley Crue, Rat, right, 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 right. Poison, Cinderella. It's like, oh, yeah. Those guys are hot dudes. The drummer in Y&T would dress in like dolphin shorts and tank tops that were too tight and he was kind of chubby. <laughs> and then you great. got like, you know, Bon Jovi's drummer who looked like Melania Trump. Like, right. it was like this is like, uh, but, you know, we figured we'll go the first year and then each year the bands would be like, hey, we're big stars again. We want more money. And then the lineups got worse and worse and That's worse. That's awesome. So uh, I don't like uh, music festivals that much either. But Dave, I mean, I want people like the Rat Song says for people to want you to come back for more. So this is probably a good time. Oh to, yeah, to plug your shit. Well, I just uh, you know look out for me. But Twitter. Yeah, I like Twitter. MF David Deary. But honestly, MF. Like, yeah, mother. I'm motherfucking David Deary. That's in, my moniker. Instagram as well. Yeah, everything. MF David Deary. Facebook. You can figure out my Gmail. I'm just David Deary. They they made me erase the MF on Facebook. I, but honestly, like I, I'm so close to just shutting it all off. I, I'm I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna go underground soon, bro. I thought about if I didn't have this podcast, I would delete all forms of but social you could media. still put the podcast out that's that's oh no i know thing. but you could you know I, ultimately, i'm starting to look into different forms of communication i mean reddit is pretty interesting i'm not really a fan of reddit there's just so many people on there you know and it's just like twitter yeah and anyway that's another long conversation but like yeah i'm i'm, I'm motherfucking david deer i'm mfdavidderry.com uh i would if you're if you're still listening right listen oh they this. are and and you're like a comedy person and you love comedy and you think, oh, I kind of like this guy. If you look me up and you think, I like this guy. I'm very interested in the DIY shit. I would love to come do shows wherever the fuck you are. I'll sleep on a fucking floor. I don't care. Stanhope style. Exactly. So if you got like, if you're like, I, I went to Forestville, California, because my friends all live up there. And I went and did a show for them and their friends at this place called the Forestville. I think it's called the Forestville Inn. And it was some real Blues Brothers ass bullshit. And it was fucking so fun. And when I was done, the locals were all playing pool and they were like, oh, you're that comedy dude? Yeah. You were pretty funny, man. And uh, I'd like to do that. So if you live in Arizona, Nevada, uh, Utah, 
anywhere near mountains. I'm into mountain climbing and hiking and shit like that. So you're near mountains and you want to have a show. Bakersfield. Well, we also we're getting this is Sonoma. This is a uh, inappropriate Earl. Texas. Uh, I don't know how this guy knows you're on my couch right now. He must have seen the post I put on Twitter and Instagram. We have a question for you from a fan. Okay. Now, the fan's name is John Matuzak. Uh, I'm assuming it's not the Oakland Raiders defensive end who died in 1989. It could be, though. And maybe it's the ghost of John Matuzak. Uh, maybe it's his son. This is his... John Matuzak Jr. ...question. I'm assuming it's a, a him. If it's not already in progress, ask David what the deal is with his old zine on glue and go. why he doesn't make magazines anymore. That's and, a true fan right there. And I'll tell you what. And it's a two-parter how he got into photography. Jesus, a two-parter? So what? I, what is, you had a magazine called on glue? In the 90s, I lived in San Francisco. I was big in, this, uh, I was big in skateboarding, like I said. And I was into graffiti, and I made a magazine called On Glue. And it came from a name that my friend Noah, my best friend Noah, who I lived in the school bus with, he, he, there's a photo of him from a party back in the day, in the 80s, late 80s, uh, where he's a goofy Primus fan, maybe 1990. And he had a, uh, he had a sticker on his shirt that said, I'm On Glue. Uh, and so the magazine was, uh, you know, comprised of cut-up photographs and glue sticks. And I used to steal copies from Kinko's. I used to make copies of Kinko's and then run out, run out on it. And, um, and then I would give them away at FTC in San Francisco Skate Shop. So yeah, I used to make a zine. It was called On Glue. I made like six or seven copies. And the reason I stopped making it was because it was the first time where I felt like uh, artistically I had a vision. I had an idea, which was I thought to myself, I could make a magazine. I could do that. And then when I got to the issue six, I had in my own mind perfected it. I had reached a pinnacle of what this meant to me. And I made an episode, I made an issue with a Mark Gonzalez interview, a KRS-One interview, a Qbert interview, all in the same magazine. And I had photos from, you know, I had a whole spread about this guy, Ty, who was one of the best graffiti writers in San Francisco who had just been shot and I had a bunch of photos of like the best graffiti writers. And it just was the, seemed like it was the best moment to just say, you know what? I did this. I know how this is done. The next step would be to like, you know, get advertisers and do it professionally. And I didn't want to do that. I just wanted to keep it raw and that, and I had reached my peak. So I, I moved on and I did make a 20 year anniversary. I have a copy for you. If you if you send it to me, if you send me your uh, your email, if you DM me your your uh, your address, I'll I'll send you a copy. Twenty year computer generated on glue. I made it last year. And what got you into photography? Uh, I actually, when I was living in San Francisco, right before I was living on the streets, I was telling you I was squatting a lot. I didn't have an apartment. When I got my first apartment. One of my good friends that I there was four of us when we went hitchhiking across the country to San Francisco. I ended up mostly hanging out with a guy named Doug, but there was a guy named Mike and a guy named Jose. And the guy named Mike ended up living in San Francisco with a, this doctor who was a religious guy who met my friend Mike and he gave my friend Mike a job because my friend Mike had carpentry skills. So my buddy Mike worked for this guy, Jake, and Jake was a philanthropist. So he had this, um, he had this 
crazy, uh, like, I don't know, like charity, I guess. He, he had these like businesses, nonprofit businesses to help kids, homeless youth and at-risk youth. Uh, and one of the things that he had was a bike shop where you could learn how to fix bikes and fix up bikes to sell to people. And one was a, um, one was a, a rock climbing gym where kids ran the gym. And one was a, uh, he had a photo, he had a dark room and he had a photo class, I guess, a photo photography kind of thing. And uh, yeah, I just took that. It was free and they, they gave you a camera and everything. It was like, it's crazy. So, you know, they, they, uh, they gave me a camera and uh, they, there was a dark room access and uh, yeah, I just kind of fell in love with photography through that. And, you know, back in the day when, when you're interested in, in graffiti and skateboarding, there is no digital camera. So I used to buy uh, disposable cameras and, uh, you know, just shoot photos of graffiti and photos of bullshit, you know? We're going to do a little Facebook Live right now. It's like a little teaser. Nice. Let me get it off me first. So, like, what do you take fo for photos of now? Like, do you go to comedy shows and... Yeah, I take photos. I like portraits of people, and I'm starting to get more into um, scenes, and and you can check my Instagram out. It's got some of my photos on there. Uh, ideally, if I was more interested in photographs, I, I like um, contrived photos. I like uh, Maplethorpe. I like his photos. He thinks of ideas like, uh, stick this bullwhip in your ass. And then he shoots them like in a studio. But um, I'm not saying I want to shoot somebody with a bullwhip in their ass, but I, I'd like to create, I would like to create more scenes if I had access to a studio. And uh, I had an idea. Well, right now I'm shooting a series of the door guys from the comedy store. So I'm, I'm pretty much done shooting it. I'm just waiting to like process the film. And I've printed like seven of the photos right now. Uh, by the way, for those of you watching on Facebook Live, I am uh, Michael J. Fox is not holding the camera. I'm just trying to find the right angle pressed up against my thigh. With a shooting it with an iPad. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, this isn't the Joe Rogan experience. Uh, sorry, I'm a one man operation here. Got to get you a cheap tripod, man. Yeah, I mean, I know this probably isn't. Uh, well, it looks good now because I'm holding it down with my left hand. My, I'm doing the Paul Stanley foot lift on my left thigh to, uh, <laughs> it's a perfect angle right now. It's like one of these. Yeah. So, uh, you know, let this me is, ask you this. Let me ask you this. Oh, you're turning the questions now. I like it when people ask me questions. Let me ask you this. Are there hearts on Facebook live? Um, yes, there, I'm getting a few. I get a, a few thumbs up. Uh, so you got all the different emojis. Yes. You get hearts, you get thumbs up, you get you get the like you get the emojis where they're like you get the like open mouth emoji and the, the I get the whole gamut here. I think uh you know, I'm trying to uh you know, since I am a one man operation here. Yeah, you are. I'm uh, There's no producer. I'm surprised. Well, you shouldn't be. Uh you, you know, I just feel like this is the format that I can do on my own. And uh, well, let me ask you this. Earl. Hopefully, people dig it. Let me ask you this, Earl. Why are we obsessed with numbers? Why am I sitting here thinking how many people are watching this right now? I don't want to know. Well, because I think ultimately, God bless you. Thank you so much. Uh, we do what we do. Uh, yes, we're all comics, or you and I are comics. For sure, we're all comics. The whole world is a comic. We're I agree artists. With that. Uh, 
I do this because I love doing it. This is the 202nd episode. Yeah. I haven't made a lot of money on this podcast. You've made some money? Virtually none. But wait, um, wait, wait, wait. You've made some? Well, I got a very nice pair of uh, um, custom-made hockey gloves for the great Pittsburgh Penguin, New York Ranger, Ryan Malone. Really? From uh, ProStockHockey.com. Sweet. You know, what happens in the NHL anyways is when a player gets traded, uh, they have, you know, obviously they can't take their gloves with them. Right, the, right. The they give their jock strap to somebody else. So, uh, you know, ProStockHockey.com had a pair of Ryan Malone gloves that, they, you know, was kind of useless to them, I guess. And uh, they said, hey, if we send you a pair of gloves, give us a couple plugs. Uh, you know, Stephen Piercy, the singer but from that's Rat. that's not money, though. Have you ever gotten money, actual cash money or Bitcoin? No, to be completely honest okay. with you. Fair but enough. when I did... Hey, gloves are great. I mean, you can't fucking... You can't play hockey in a $100 bill. I, I agree with that. Gloves are cool. Well, yeah. And I they're got, expensive. Oh, I mean, hockey's uh, an incredibly expensive sport. I know. I, mean, I, brought my nephew, I bought my nephew a helmet for his birthday because he plays ice hockey, and the dumbass got a fucking concussion because he wasn't wearing his helmet. Wait a minute. We have a celebrity in facebook live right now is it andrew santino no it is i i don't i hope this man does not mind me blowing his cover we have Uh a very famous musician right now is it mr liff in the house and i ask no zingers be applied to him okay no zingers we have anything the drummer from kiss the great eric singer also of badlands Black Sabbath. I mean, Eric Singer's musical resume is better than most anyone on earth. Uh, so a shout out to Eric Singer. Is it okay to just say that I never heard of him? That's a zinger. Oh, I got him. Got him. Well, but you're not a you're not a Kiss fan. No, but I know who he is. Of course, I know who he is. I, I just gotta say, uh, I'm not a I'm not a huge Kiss fan. You know why? Because when I was a little kid, and I don't know how old I am, I woke up. And I came downstairs, and my parents were watching that fucking HBO. I'm talking, this is 70s. Watching this fucking this HBO. I think it was HBO. This It was obviously not on regular TV because Gene Simmons had blood pouring out of his fucking mouth, and it terrified me. Are you happy? Kiss people? Where are you? Well, what? I, it scared uh, the fuck out of me, bro. I was like seven years old, and I came downstairs, and Gene Simmons had blood coming out of his mouth. And he was like, ah. I don't even know. I honestly, to this day, don't know what that was. Well, what terrifies me is uh, Vinny Vincent's appearance at the uh, Kiss convention in Atlanta. Eric, uh, I don't usually ask another uh, person to be on my podcast in the middle of another podcast, but Eric, uh, <laughs> if you wouldn't mind coming on Inappropriate Earl, uh, we got to talk about Vinny Vincent's uh, appearance. Uh, oh, yeah. You got to come on Inappropriate Earl. He's great. I mean, look, you get this. Uh, free this couple, You get a cup of water. How well, many people have we got on Facebook Live? We I got 11. 11 people. Uh, but, well, Eric, it talks a lot. So he's like the perfect podcast guest. I literally would love to have him on. Like, you you talk a lot. And that's what you want. That's what a, you want. In a guest. like, but What do you mean I talk a lot? But, you know, I could say, t- how did you get into photography? You gave me a five-minute answer. That's true. You know, but that's great. Like, you know, uh, there was one guest that I think I told you about uh this person before we started like 
you know, I would say, well, tell us about this. And they would give like a one word answer. Right, right. Hello, Tom Curtis from Dayton, Ohio. The pie man Pagano's in the house. Nice. Uh, you got to interact with him every now and then. Um, but, you know, some people give like one word answers. Hey, what was it like working on this uh, rat record? It was cool. Instead of like when I had speaking to Vinnie Vincent, when I had. Wait, you know what we should do, Earl? But when I had Bobby Rock on. Wait, you know what we should do? I get what you're saying. But you know what we should do? I was just thinking we should just stop record on the podcast and just do a Facebook live chat now. Yeah, but then, it, you know, well, you know, the theory might be. I'm better about, I feel better about that because then you're like, hey, if you want to hang out with us, ask us some questions and then. Like bonus, like a DVD bonus. Uh, well, the, in theory, I could say we're going to stop the podcast now but it's not live. I mean, this is live. That's what I'm saying. Do that live. Well, you know, maybe next one. You're going to be back <laughs> for more. I, I mean, I'm trying to just keep this at a... I've never done Facebook Live or Periscope or any of that stuff, man. I'm trying to do new things. Been on Brody's. Brody, I just saw today Brody got 25 million hearts on Periscope. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, I, I Does that count hearts? Uh, this, uh, I think... Facebook uh, Live? Thumbs up. Thumbs up. We need more thumbs up. It's all about numbers. That's the problem. I think we scared Eric Singer off. I think he might have uh, bailed out. But uh, if you're uh, still in there, Eric, uh, you know, I'll ask only appropriate questions about Vinnie Vincent, who looks like he has the appearance of a woman now. Like, it's it's a big controversy. Like, people are going, did he have a sex change? Shouldn't be a controversy. Oh, we're getting his, some hearts. His, and her, his, or his or her business. And a quick shout out to Austin, one of the great young goaltenders and players in the socal street hockey league nice uh, we got you know we we draw from dude, all I'll come up there and i'll fucking i'll uh i'll wrist her i'll wrist one up into the into the upper deck dude i'll not against austin dude he's good. i'm telling you man i'm uh, I'll, I'll hit it on his glove side bro his glove side better be fast in that upper deck I, dude don't move too fast it really fucks up with the camera angle uh there we go there we go there we go and the hello to Kim Keep, who was my uh, Sports Connection employee uh, friend at the front desk. So, uh, and Sean Ash in the house. Uh, you, you know, you gotta you gotta give them acknowledge. So, you know, I, I, we, I, we know, gave, I watch the guys on Twitch, and they're always like, "Hey, shout out to SK72 for subbing another year." Well, I do the same thing with my uh, real estate friend, very fine bass player, uh, Stefan Adika. He sells real estate in Paso Robles. Well, hook me up with a house then, Stefan. He can, and he does... Uh, Not for the money that I got. He does Facebook Live when he's cold calling people, and it's so entertaining uh, to watch someone... Uh, you know, cold call real estate prospects. And sometimes he'll be on the phone with a piker for like 20 minutes, just talking about, you know, their cookie recipe. That's amazing. And, you know, people in chat are like, hang up the pan, dude. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm doing now. This is a little preview of what uh, inappropriate Earl with motherfucking David Deary. Oh yeah. We talk uh, about, uh, you know, if you want to hear a cool story about traversing the desert in a U-Haul truck, at the age of 18, after you just spent your last 250 bucks and ate your first pizza pie out of a dumpster, holler at your boy. Skateboarding, we talk stand-up comedy, we talk, uh, you know, uh, making money in stand-up comedy in L.A. We, I mean, we run the gamut here. I mean, in case you guys... Talk about the first vegan that I ever met. Yeah, I mean... Hanging out with Jack Herrera. You can thank me 
for legalized weed in, in Colorado. I was putting the work in 1995. Are you a weed guy? No. I was. I have been. I mean, I, de I definitely believe in the powers. I definitely like it, but I don't smoke it. I mean, but I'm just blown away now that it's legal in California to sell recreationally. Yeah. Of these fucking losers who hang out all day in line in public. Why would you wait in line? Well, it's like... Why not just hold up a sign saying, I do drugs? <laughs> yeah, like, but I mean... Uh, why aren't you working? Yeah, why would you wait in line? I don't get that. It's like, I don't get... But people wait in line for sneakers, too. I don't get that. It's like, that. that's... I wouldn't wait in line for shit. I don't wait oh, in line for concerts. Oh, shit. Oh, shit, what? Who we got? have a second celebrity... Here we go. ...watching Facebook Live. What's up? We love celebrities. I grew up watching this man. Uh, George Carlin. No, he's dead. I am humbled and honored, and I'm being serious, and I don't want inappropriate, I don't want any inappropriate no comments to this man. No zingers. We have a legend in the pro wrestling world oh, wow. in the house. The Iron Sheik. Very close. A man. Bobby Heenan. Well, very close. Oh, well, let me guess. Oh, oh, oh shit. No. We have. George Animal Steel. Did he the, die? The genius. Oh, my God. Bobby Heenan? Leaping Lanny Poffo. Oh, Lanny Poffo. Is in Get out of Facebook here. Live. I would have never guessed that in a million years. Well, but I do. Uh, I was a wrestling fan when I was a kid. And uh, I actually, I, I went to, my grandparents lived in Daytona Beach, Florida. And must have been the 80s. I went to wrestling. Not WWF, by the way. I went to some southern, I don't know, you know, backyard southern wrestling association. But I saw the Wyndham brothers before they were, I think they were in the WWF or were they in the NWA? Barry Wyndham and his brother. Uh, uh, I don't know. Hello. I'm just saying hello to the genius right now and uh, the great Rich Doobie in the house as well. I mean, they're really coming out. They are. You know, uh, no, and don't ask uh, Leaping Lanny Poffo to fucking read a poem. He's watching this. <laughs> I mean, he ain't working right now. You ain't paying him to read a poem, what Ash. If pay him to read a poem. Yeah, you got You want me to do stand-up right now? Send a few bucks. PayPal it, man. Venmo me. Oh, yeah, I should have plugged my Venmo. I'm at MF David Deary on Venmo. Well, asking my fans for money is probably not the brightest. Probably uh, not probably not going to happen i would but, read a poem though well listen the, the genius is a legend and uh yeah, i'm humbled and honored to have him in the chat room you get to see everybody that's on watching you can yeah, see yeah, all they, 11 when they log on it's like hey uh so-and-so's in, in chat so uh you know it's pretty cool and is it only like people that you follow that that your friends people that on? follow me on facebook yeah people that follow you on facebook so they, they get like a little notification, like maybe it, someone that follows you. Like yeah, Earl Stakel. Yeah, Pat Barker. Uh, it, it would say on Pat's Facebook, it'd say Earl started a Facebook Live. Right. It's like Instagram. Do you, do you, do you, uh, do you uh, tag the Facebook Live like David Deary? Or do you just write inappropriate Earl? Or does it just say Earl is doing a Facebook Live? Uh, I think it's just Earl's doing a Facebook Live. So, But if people. you go on my Facebook and share it, you know that then your fans can see it too. Oh, okay. Should I do that? Or yeah, how long I don't are we know it? if they're. Uh, yeah, I think I guess you could do it right now if you go on my Facebook. How long are we gonna Facebook live? I mean, for? a couple more minutes. You know, oh, not okay. too much longer, just because. Uh, you know, we're at the like the hour and forty five minute mark. Um, <laughs> we're you know. at the hour of forty five minutes. I'm definitely not that interesting, Earl. I would say that you know, 
edited down. I'm oh, shit. 45 minutes worth of interesting. We have another celebrity. Get out of here. How many celebrities do you know? In the house. Brett Banta. Com- close. Comedy Central. Roast. Oh, Frank. Frank? Roast Battle Royalty. The one and only. Alex Hooper? The stunningly beautiful. Omid Singh? Miss Robin Tran. Oh, what's up? In the fucking house. Hell yeah. Uh, and the man who does all my uh, artwork, the great Andrew Stovkin. If you, a lot of people ask me, Earl, where do you do your uh, photoshopped, like, you know, uh, episode, you know, uh, yeah. artwork? Uh, Andrew's the man. And uh, so for all your flyer needs, ask right. him to do them for free because that's no, what he, you're supposed to do. I pay him, you pay him. Uh, I'll let him get into the financial logistics. I do my own Photoshop, Earl. Well, I'm not capable, so I have to pay people to do it. Um, and if you're out there and you need Photoshop work and this Earl's guy is ripping you off, you come to me. I'll undercut him. That's what the world's all about right now. It's a cold business, man. I'll undercut him. It's a cold, cold business. What's he charged? 50? I'm charging 40. Well, I mean, you know, we won't get into financials. Uh, I will. I'll do it for 40. I'm a man. Uh, I'll do it for $40 less than he's doing it. You ask him a quote and then you send it to me. I'll match anyone's price. I'm crazy, Eddie. I'll sell you a stereo. I love crazy, Eddie. Our prices are insane. insane. Thank That's, God uh, someone who's as old as me remembers crazy, Eddie. Well, I would uh, watch. This is like much ado about nothing but uh you know as a kid you know i'm a huge hockey fan everyone knows that um the la kings were not on tv in los angeles what uh maybe just one or two games a year because <laughs> hockey horrible. wasn't this yeah, is before, hockey wasn't big that's true when i was a kid hockey wasn't on all the time before gretzky but and i was a flyers fan so i hated the flyers flyers weren't on all the time i don't think well i got in LA, we got WOR, which is uh, a cable channel in New York that would televise every Ranger game. I see. That's why you're a Rangers fan? So I actually grew up a Rangers fan. And uh, of course, you'd get the, uh, oh, Mary Bird Stevens in the house. Live and direct. Saying hello to both of you. All me the way from Dave. Hermosa Beach, California. We know where you live, Mary. But we do. Um, shout out to Donald. Much love to Donald. We'll blast your address all over a Facebook Live. Uh, Crazy Eddie commercials would run during Ranger games. Yeah, it was the East Coast thing. Yeah, and but it was funny. There was a guy out here. You probably also got uh, Carvel. Yeah, Carvel ice cream. Yeah, Carvel ice cream. Exactly. That was aired on the Joe Franklin show. That's funny. Um, what was it called? Something that Fudgy the Whale. I forget it, but I Fudgy remember the Whale. You can probably um, YouTube that stuff, kids. Joe Franklin was like the New York Merv Griffin. I'm crazy, Eddie, and my prices are insane. We're slashing prices on stereos, televisions, computers. They didn't even have computers. But Whoa. then they had a guy out here totally ripped Crazy Eddie off. Nice. Downtown LA, Crazy Loco Gideon. A crazy Gideon. And he would do the same. He it, should have been Loco Larry. I'm Loco Larry. I'll fucking dra- I'll slash your prices crazy. I'm Loco Larry. Put a little accent on it. Total scam. We've got CDs. We've got Betamaxes. <laughs> we've got laser disc players. I'm Crazy Gideon. And I You am, like stolen stereos? I got all that shit, man. Loco Larry. Hey, you know. Is uh, that racist? Or uh, Boogaloo Jones. I'm scared uh, to be racist now, even though I, I think accents are fine. It's a new era. It's a new era. Um, I mean... Uh, I'm scared. Listen to what I just said. Like, I'm scared to be racist. Like, oh, uh, am I racist? I'm scared that I'm... Ra- I might go... 
I might go out right now and beat the shit out of a black person. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm a racist or not. Well, you know, uh, it's uh, it's a new era, new era. So I like doing accents, though. That's the thing. So I'll just stick with the Russian. Russian accent never bad. That's a bad. I like bad accents, by the way. Like I know it's a bad accent. We'll go to Fairfax and Santa Monica, bro. Bro. All right. Well, bro. I just want to say, is that accent? Hey, bro. Is that accent? Okay, bro. It's all right. It's, it's not bad. No, I mean, is it politically correct, bro? I don't ask me. I'm bro. a white Jew from Bel Air. So. Bro, bro, bro. All right, inappropriate Earl. Sound I, I, I mean, cloud and iTunes. If I do like a, a Jew, a Jewish accent, are you? This is motherfucking David Derry in the house. I'm gonna show you guys. I don't know how I log off. Nice. Here he goes. We got the TV on. We got my mini ball hockey trophies. Here's Lois just chilling right now. Is Mary still on there? Hermosa Beach Mary? Tell yes, her she is. Tell her I'm, uh, or tell her, uh, give me a thumbs up because I'm about to like organize another. <laughs> did, you just, did you just cut him off? No, no, we are live. Sorry, I'm a one man show here. Uh, oh, you're doing great, Earl. You're crushing it. Here's you're Lois. One, man, one dog show. We're going to, Mary, we're going to do, I'm putting together the menu for my next pop up kitchen comedy show. So. And here is the inappropriate Earl. As you can see by the lights, we're live. Like Bill O'Reilly. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Uh, he was doing a lot more than uh, he was fucking it. I guess he was. Uh, thank you, uh, Fox News. So uh, we're going to have to put the, uh, we're, we'll just put this uh, down right here. Uh, so signing off America and Europe. Any Europeans on there? Um, right now, there's only four people in there. The great Nelson Barry. Signing uh, off uh, for all of America, USA, number one. Eat your greens. Do your push-ups. Do your fucking push-ups every day. Meditate for 10 minutes on peace, on death. Be very stoic out there in the world, people. And it is, even though there's only three of you now and one person left, just continue to support David Deary in his mission to follow his dreams and be the white suburban, non-working, get paid to say funny things to people, person that he's supposed to be and change the world for the better. The, the good of humanity deserves a great comedian like David Deary. And thank you so much, America. God bless each and every one of you. I sit, sit back down on the couch while I, with my other hand, uh, you know, plug everything. And, Do that. Uh, here we go. Sorry, guys. Like, once again, Earl Skakel is a one-man operation here. So uh, this has been uh, Inappropriate Earl. SoundCloud and iTunes. We appreciate the love and support. Uh, this episode will be out later this week. Uh, please listen to uh, the last couple episodes. The great Paul Morrissey, superstar comic. Um, uh, Patrick uh, Kennison from Lita Ford. And uh, Ari Manis, the highest listened to episode ever. An inappropriate Earl. Let's get David Deary to at least the top 10. Do it. Inappropriate Earl SoundCloud and iTunes. Leave a review. Share it. Tweet it out. And uh, we'll be back for more next week on the Internet Information Superhighway. Highway.